This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. Jolly chaps in the house here as well As we say new year New cheer And this is actually the first proper pub visit of the year For the podcast Last week we were in the virtual joint of course Every time we feel a little bit fragile Or a little bit lazy Or we don't really want to drink too much We slip back into the virtual joint So we were hanging out there all together last week And it was very nice And it's done the job But now we're back out we decided to be more adventurous. And we thought New Year, New Cheer, forget West London, we always cross keys maybe, or a little bit of Georgia 4 for a little bit of Hammersmith, maybe get out the Q-Bridge, but no. We thought, let's get proper adventurous. So we got out the old sat-nav, we headed into town, and we found ourselves in Smithfield. Smithfield Market, the place where they have meat. They serve meat, they kill cows apparently well apparently they don't kill cows there at all but they sell meat to the whole of the country from here smithville market right beside the smithville market we are in the butcher's hook and cleaver drinking responsibly of course (laughs) yes indeed the butcher's hook and cleaver it's wicked actually first time we've ever been here it's got a little upstairs bit which we weren't allowed to because they've got all sorts of characters we've had to book up for you had to book up weeks in advance to get up there it's called the slaughterhouse like the slaughterhouse but if maybe we come back down there we'll actually go upstairs and look down but we're downstairs we've got our own little cubby hole they've taken very very good care of us and if you're in the city literally around the corner from farringdon station and smithfields come down to the butcher's hook and cleaver say that the pod, the besotted characters sent you down and you never know they might just tip their hat to you and you just never know what can happen but they'll take very good care of you but anyway this area as well, it just, it just brings back really good memories for me as well. This is right in the heart of 80s warehouse land. If you used to go 80s warehouse parties back in the day in the early 90s, this is one of the areas where they used to have warehouse parties. Fabric, who came out of all that lot, is just around the corner as well. There's a little place that you used to go to. The reason why as well, because, that, because there was no businesses around there back in the day, people could just come there and they can open up and they can go all night and the police would never come. It was brilliant. 
There's a bar around the corner called Vic Nailers, um, which we used to actually go all the way from West London to because what you used to do back in the day was you used to try and find any bar that used to open after 11 o'clock. And because there was no police around there, no businesses, Vic Nailers used to open till 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Like It was absolutely so brilliant, could, no you, license. You, you could drink responsibly until the early hours. I drank responsibly until the early hours. And Vic Nailers, if people know it as well, if everyone saw Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, the pub, the pub in Lockstock, which is owned by Sting, which I think it was called JD's, was actually Vic Naylor's. And every Saturday night, you'll find me and my posse used to be down there having proper laughs around the corner. It's all changed around here. But um, listen, lately, I mean, you used to, used, to, used to be your manor as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I've got a lot of history here, actually. Like, it's, um, again, as you, as you kind of like described it, it's one of those, like at the time, almost like a forgotten play, part of London. Like, like Borough Market used to be, Smithfield Market used to be as well. No one really used to bother coming here, so people could have a lot of freedom because it was just like off. It wasn't West End, it wasn't glam, it wasn't glitz. It was just like space and you could come and party here. Um, so my dad used to work at the Guardian, which was on Farringdon Road, just across the road. I, mean, I, was, I was there for their, ba- their their hot metal banging out night when they turned like when they used to make um, newspapers out of molten metal, pretty much to press it. They, they went all computerised and they used to have a banging out ceremony. I was there for that. I used to DJ at Fabric in the early days. Um, and then we used to, when I was at the Financial Times, we used to come here once a year and we used to have our um, like Christmas, uh, early doors Christmas party. We used to get the first train out of wherever we were living. Um, at the time it was Sunbury, I used to get like that 4.59 train and then get up here for quarter to six. And then the, the, we'd have like four English breakfast, chops and steak and all lots of, lots of animal, animal parts. And then we used to drink heavily, um, Guinness and Guin- uh, uh, very responsibly. Guinness and Tia Maria was the order of the day. Pint of Guinness with a double Tia Maria in it, very calorific. But then we used to go to work, um, absolutely responsible. And um, it, they were they were the best days. They were just amazingly free days. Um, so yeah, a lot of memories around here. Um, and as you say, you know, th- there was a there was a lot of a lot of clubs around there, and um, you know, I played a few of them, but a lot of them just aren't here anymore because they just you know this has become gentrified. So now it's a, it's a very posh part of London. Indeed, poshness. But we can do poshness. We can do spit and sawdust, and we can do potness as well. So like I said, it's me. My name's Billy Grant, and like I said to you, first podcast of the year. And I'm going to enjoy this. Actually, got a couple of pints in front of us as well. I've got to me pride. I know you guys. You've got the you've got the espresso sprout, which you talked about at the Christmas Christmas do as well. Uh, the besotted Christmas social, which I have to apologise, I haven't actually edited the besotted Christmas social as yet. But I will try and get that up for next week if we can do. But you talked about the espresso sprout, which wasn't available then, was it? No, and I'll probably talk about it a lot more because it, it's got this genius combination of stout and espresso. So, so you get a, like a bit of a caffeine perk as you go along. So um, I should get a bit rabbity later on. Indeed. So listen, he's going to be jumping around the place as well. I have to the right of me the Dutchman, and the Dutchman has not been on for uh, for three weeks, probably well, since last year, which was actually not that long ago. To be quite as you, the Dutchman. Um, yeah, well, this is your manner as well. I mean, I, I know that you've done quite a lot of stuff around Smithfield. Is that right? No, not really. Um, I saw the Smiths in a field once, uh, and that, that was really good, but I, I'm more of a meat-is-murder person myself. I, I must say, I just want to say, 
Laney's dad's hot metal banging out party sounds more exciting than yours, Billy, at Vic Naylor's. We all talk about that, but to me, when, when, I say, when I say banging out, I don't mean anything like John Terry's mum's. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Anyway, like I said, Vic Naylor's was absolutely wicked. Even people like said something. The Clive Myrie, um, BBC News reader as well, used to come down to my little bashes down at Vic Naylor's as well back in the day. And I could tell you some stories about the Myrie, but unfortunately, not for this podcast because, uh, well, actually, we shall move on. We we got a newbie in the house, a newbie who has never been on the podcast before and he said oh my word I need to come on this podcast because I, I listen to it every single week and it makes me very very excited um, Soups Soups out Soups out Greetings fellow Soups in surely come on give me a break I've just started come on Soups so Soups welcome to the podcast and it's good to have you and uh, I tell you something you listen to every single podcast don't you every week uh, religiously I can't wait to get home and put it on liar um I'm not a liar. You've not never me. listened to one podcast, have you? My nose isn't growing at all. No. Listen, soups out. Anyways, listen, soups. Listen about this man. I mean, Smithfields. Um, does this bring back memories for you? I think I went to Fabric once. To be honest, um, I've never been into that kind of thing. But a mate of mine who was a guy who did drink irresponsibly. I'm always a responsible drinker. Uh, he said, "Let's go to Fabric." I went, "Oh, well, go on in." And I think I went there once, and we went in. I think, what the bloody hell is going on here? And it's very loud and very dark. Um, well, I'll see what I can do. And um, it was great. Ended up getting night bus home. Took about three hours. It was a good night. Indeed. So listen, listen, bringing back memories for all of us in the Smithfield area. But listen, we're going to go on. We've got loads of stuff to talk about today. We've got the FA Cup. We've got um, we've got transfer activity. We've got around the, the Griffin Park. There's a few things happening in and around at Brentford. We've also got not uh, the the Bolton game on Saturday, and we're going to be talking to Eddie Skelly from the Lion of Vienna Suite Pod as well. There's a podcast and there's also a blog, so he's going to be chatting to us about Bolton later as well. I'm just I've had a bit of a dilemma this week. I have to admit. Um, it's, it's a nice dilemma and it's a wicked, wicked dilemma. And I just thought I'd share this with you as well, like you know. Basically, only a couple of days ago, before today, my sister-in-law, who's been going out with her, her fiancé for a while, she announced that she was going to get married to a fiancé this year. And very delighted. Fantastic celebration. Yay, she's going to get married. Um, now, just to give you a bit of background, her fiancé is actually a football agent. He actually looks after a number of high-profile players. I'm not going to mention any of their names. And uh, the thing is that one of the players is actually going to be his best man at the wedding. So, of course, they're looking at a date for the wedding. You know, my wife's excited, the kids are excited, everyone's excited. And he's decided there's only one date that he can choose. And the reason why is because he had to choose it to coincide after the end of the football season, but before the start of the World Cup, because he's also playing in the World Cup this year. So, him being the best man, he's got to be there. They decide one date, they go, yes, we're getting married at the end of May and my wife said brilliant we're going to be going the end of May and it's also it's not in England it's in Serbia and so my face I've gone brilliant because of course immediately as you do it's that Nick Hornby moment as we say has everyone seen Fever Pitch that Nick Hornby moment you go blip, 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 blip. what date what date football match is that and they were getting married on the day of the championship playoff final oh, no. which took absolute fear into my heart because it wasn't one of those ones going well, actually, I'm not quite sure because you know that you have to be there. Anyway, long story short, 
it happens that for various reasons, the, the date has been moved back one day from the Saturday to the Sunday. So it's the day after the championship playoff final. Ooh. However, the whole family are going to be fl- meant to be flying out there on the Thursday and coming back sometime the following week. So in my head, I'm sort of thinking, right, this could be a bit of a problem still, because at the moment it's not a problem now, because as we all know, Brentford are only 8% chance of actually getting promoted. They're 20% chance of actually getting to the playoffs, which means they're 10% chance of actually getting to the playoff final. Is that actually true? Yeah, it's actually true. It's not 62%. No, it's not 62%. This is the actual truth. It's 10%. I've just got the real figure. So it's 10% chance of getting to the playoff final. So basically 90% chance that, that it's not going to be a problem. However, as football fans, we can't be dealing with this. Yeah, the other 15% yeah. is always going to Well, it's the 10%. It's like, you know, the fear. So it's the fear. So the thing is, I'm sort of thinking, I've already been looking at the flights back from Serbia to see if I could do a day trip back from Serbia to get back for the wedding. Now, it just made me think about this. I was thinking, football fans, we do this all the time, don't we? And I put a little, put a little tweet out there asking fans, you know, have you had any situations where you've actually had to make it back for a massive Brentford game? And Laney, I mean, look, look, see what kind of answers. What, what's, what's come back from this? Like, Well, there's quite a few that have come back. This is... Um, well, Matt Allard, who's uh, obviously a, a, um, a, a podcast regular, he said, I'm not sure if this counts, but in the closing weeks of the League One promotion season, I convinced his partner to go walking in the Peak District, starting in Oldham Athletic on a Saturday afternoon and finishing in Sheffield United on the Tuesday evening. So very, very well played there, the Allard. He, he, got, he, he got a couple of games in there. Um, he said... Uh, at Carlisle, the Carlisle game at, at Wembley, I managed to convince my wife to go to Edinburgh with her mum for the weekend instead of me. I think that had, I think that I had the better deal in the end, or she had the better deal in the end. Um, my son's christening, I arranged, I arranged for, sorry, yeah, Joe Whelan, um, who's, a, who's a Brentford uh, diehard as well, beside diehard, arranged for two months. So she arranged, it was, yeah, she arranged it for a Saturday in the church. She wasn't happy. Um, Lou Boyd, another one. My brother made sure he went to Griffin Park en route to his wedding at, at Richmond Registry Office. We came back out on the pitch pre-game, thanks to Peter Gillam, and we had two cars waiting for us outside, and we departed 15 minutes before the game ended, <clears throat> which was two, we were 2-0 down to Bristol Rovers, so that ended up all right. Um, there's another one, um, NK, Nick Levac. Once stayed up till 6am finishing an assignment at uni, uni in Worcester, submitted it at 6.30 in the morning and drove up to Middlesbrough to watch the playoff game. Um, it, 24 hours completely flat out. So listen, we're going to be harking back to a lot more of these and people have been putting their input as well to say exactly what games we're doing. We'll pick out a few big games as well because I think there's a difference between going to a Brentford game because there's been millions of Brentford <coughs> games which we've changed our plans for and also trying to flip it to go for a big Brentford game, whether or not it might be a playoff final or maybe a game that's been switched from a Saturday to a Tuesday or a game that means that we're not going to get relegated as well. Other, other bits and pieces we're going to be talking about today. We've got the Bolton match which is coming up, which we were talking about in a little bit. Bit. And interesting because the club's got a bit of an interesting 80s theme. A bit of a random theme, that one. They talk about harking back to the 80s. And they've got posters of Herlock and Chris Kamara and Booker and Francis Joseph. So we thought it was a good opportunity for us to have a little listen back to the Beside Pride of West London socials where we've had players from the 80s talking about things that happened in the 80s. So we're going to be listening to clips from players. We've got Bobby Booker. Um, we've got um, Gary Roberts. 
we've got Terry Evans, we might even have Francis Joseph, we'll see what it is. Just have a little claps from that, just, just a little heart back to the 80s from that as well. But listen, before we do that, let's go back to last weekend, the FA Cup. We were not up for the Cup whatsoever. We played a different side than we normally played. We changed eight players in our team and we went against Notts County who played a full side. Full strength side and they were absolutely potty for it. Some experienced players and some younger players and they took us to the sword and they scored a very good goal and they knocked us out of the cup and Brentford once again have been knocked out of the cup. Fans weren't happy so we listened to what the fans and also what... Remain Sawyers had to say in the pub and he was in the foyer actually after the game another year another third round exit another FA Cup residing in the dustbin Billy no. what can you say Harry yeah. sorry daddy's back oh he's all over the place listen there's listen there. I'll tell you something he's taken a fall it's disappointment yet because you never know what you could get in the next round we could get a nice big TV tie get a nice away day Equally, all credit has to go to Notts County. They won that. They fought. They battled. They kept. You know, they had some serious professionals in there. Smith, Stead. They knew what they were doing. They were well organised, and that's probably what we lacked a bit today. We lacked a bit of cohesion, a bit of organisation. You make that many changes, you're not going to get the understanding between the players, the combinations. I thought, you know, we acquitted ourselves okay. It's disappointing. We, you know, as a Championship team, we shouldn't be going out. But equally. Is it the worst thing in the world? Probably not. Just felt like we were just taking it a little bit too relaxed. We were a little bit late to get into it. Perhaps if we made some substitutions a bit earlier, perhaps half time, give it an injection of pace, bring on Canos a bit earlier, try and oomph it up a little bit. And just again, organisation talking to it. Yes, a lot of young players out there who are going to benefit from the experience. And that will do them the good in the long run. But short term, do you always want to be in the fourth round? Of course you do. Yeah, we got the Mark Webster talk sport mark in the house. I thought that there was certainly enough in that game for Brentford to have actually got that one, yeah. I thought. But um, I just think sometimes there's a moments there when they just kind of lacked a little bit of pace, a little bit of immediacy. A little bit of urgency. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it felt like. And and what Notts County definitely are under Kevin Nolan is, is mean. You know, they, they got a lot of shape. They hold they, they, they stay in position very nicely. And then with John Stead, just that one little bit of class, wasn't it? You, it, you weren't, it wasn't necessarily one that was going to you guarantee to win it, but I think you were unlucky to lose it. The Romain Sawyers in the house here today. Listen, and we're just, you know, we're chatting away. It's, it's really unfortunate. FA Cup loss against Notts County. I mean, they were pretty organised today as well, weren't they? Yeah, um, I think they came here with a game plan. We've got to respect them, obviously. When you're the bigger reputation team, it's like a cup final for them, and you know they're going to give that extra 15%. And I think what let us down most was our quality. We created chances, but obviously here inside of the post on two occasions and stuff and their goal came out of nowhere it was a worldie but I think we just give us a chance to concentrate on the league now we've got to climb up the table three massive teams ex-Premier League teams all three of them we went and showed exactly what we were about and did it our way we didn't scrap we didn't change our game plan we've got a philosophy that we all want to play football and we did it the right way 
and we're just now going into Saturday we've got to have that same confidence and belief that we had before the Wolves game we've outplayed teams um, that are up in and around it obviously we've got Wolves that are at the top of the tree we kind of give them the respect for anyone else in the league We'll back ourselves against them most definitely. So it's just about turning that belief and the potential into reality. I don't think we played a weakened team today. We played it as 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 we predicted on the podcast in the middle of the week. We played an A A minus team rather than our full team. But there was no player out on that pitch who didn't who didn't deserve and shouldn't have put in a shift. I think some players missed their opportunity of really forcing their way into becoming regular starters for us. Like who? I mean, McCreckran, I thought, had an awful game today. Got to call him out. Um, you know, so much for not giving the ball away. I thought, I thought he didn't play well. Mope as well. I mean, yeah, we've blown hot and cold on Mope all season, and I'm afraid that he didn't look confident um, at all. And I don't see any future for him much. I tell you what really worries me though, Bill, is that we've got to keep hold of Vibe this transfer window because I think showing today it showed how vital Vibe is to our team and to making sure that we can push as we now have to do for the promotion playoffs because that's what we've got to throw all our money behind short answer is yes I was up for a cup maybe a little bit because last year Brown Brown Day was so good that Mark Allen back and Hossa back won 5-0 against Eastley that was, a, that was a fucking really good day I was up for the cup today is the short answer I'm not sure if I feel sad well maybe a bit sad actually I feel, I feel like we've um, made obviously a lot of changes today but not too many to feel it was unrealistic that we could get a result probably a win and it, I don't know just, it looked a bit minus in the fence we looked a little bit like the shape wasn't there I don't know I don't know who was in control who was in charge who was who was driving it forwards the attack was disjointed disjo- attack but I don't think we looked particularly second best against them that's got a great goal you can't really argue can you I think for me it was more that we had a lot of players that playing today that haven't had game time in the last um, probably what well some of them haven't had game time for years um, and, and others hadn't had much game time in the last four or five weeks and I think it's quite hard to expect them to sort of well you know maybe I'm, I'm trying to make an excuse no it was more about sharpness they just weren't sharp it was get the ball hold the ball look up pass it there was no you know none of this sort of one touch quick passing that we've seen in the last four or five weeks and we've loved and is that because the players aren't as good or is that because they're just not as sharp and they're just not as um, as match fit essentially yeah I was really not happy I just um, I expected I just expected more I expected more um, hey and I, I, yeah, I expected more from him um, I expected more from a lot of these fringe players and um, we hear a lot about the potential of, of, of a lot of these players and uh, and it's for them to step up to the mark today I don't I'm not going to knock the manager for fielding a, a changed team you know the the, the a team have, have, have run their run their socks off over Christmas and that um, you know three wins three wins out of four um, it was obvious that you know they needed to make a, a couple of changes today and you know the, the players that came in they've been sitting on the bench or they've been coming in and, and playing cameo subs appearances um, they gave um, McEachran the, the captain's armband why I've I got no idea um, and you know I, I, I just um, I just, yeah I, I feel a bit numb it, it isn't disrespectful to them to, 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 to expect to win 
you know, if you're playing someone in your own league, then I say be careful. Two divisions below, we expect to win, and we've we've fluffed it. We we that we we have we have missed a massive opportunity. So Brentford, we're not up for the cup. A little bit disappointing, to say the least, as you heard the fans in the pub after the game, and even Romain Sawyers, all gutted that Brentford were not up for the cup. Now, there's loads of different conversations going around about as to why we didn't get through, whether or not it was the right result, whether or not Brentford were right to rest a few players. This conversation happens every season, every season probably for the last four or five years. And, and it makes me think, because every time, you know, I have to admit, it came to this, this, this game, and as the guys know here, I actually wasn't going to come to the Cup game. I was so not fussed about coming to the Cup yeah. game. I just thought, not to do with Loyal, but it's to do with the fact that we we're playing Notts County in the Cup. Um, it was kind of like when we used to play in the first round back in the day. You used to play a team, and you were kind of, it's a hiding to nothing. Because if you won... Everyone expected you to, so you're like, oh, we've won. But if you lost against a so-called inverted commas team, which you were meant to, they thought you were going to beat, then you're going to get a bashing, you know what I'm saying, as a team. And, and with Notts County, I was just thinking, the fact is that every year we play teams like this and we make it so hard for ourselves by, for various reasons, the selection. But the players that we select, now this is not knocking the players because people say, yes, these players should be good enough. They should be good enough to take on this side, but there's many more factors that are involved in that. And uh, we'll discuss this in a minute, but the fact is that I was not going to go to this game. But I came at the last minute because I thought I could bring my daughter and she'd bring her mate. They can come to the game. We can sit at the side, which we don't normally do. And the pressure is off, not so much for us, but it's a league match. And still, disappointment was there. Now, the question I'm going to ask is why, first of all? Did we really have to field a inverted commas weakened side? Because I'm thinking back to back of the day when we used to have fun. We used to look forward to cup matches. It was one of those things where you would not take that day off. The third round match was just where you go to. We played um, Sunderland, and we Brentford played Sunderland in the third, I think third or was it the fourth round of the cup. But we were so excited about that game. We turned up. We played a full um, strength side. Sunderland, who were in the Premier League at the time, or the First Division, wherever it was, they played a full-strength side and they came down there, we beat them, and it was, it was tremendous. But now, there's this thing that has got into everyone's psyche that you have to play a weakened side because people need rest and you need to rotate the players and something like that. And I just don't know whether or not it's just that we've just been sold this story and we're all taking it. Because back in the day, we didn't have to do that. And we seem to have got on quite fine. We played Man City. We beat them, remember, at Griffin Park 3-1. Bashed them up. Did they play a weak inside that day? No, they didn't. So I'm going to say to you, I mean, Laney, I know you were absolutely gutted after that game because you didn't feel that we gave it our all. And um, it would have been different if we had played a non-weak inside. I wasn't gutted. I was angry. You know, I just, I just thought that the, the team that we picked was technically good enough to to, to have beaten um, beaten Notts County. So, but it, it didn't. But I think you know, and we've seen it. We've seen it. We see it every week, actually. Whether it's a Caribou Cup game, whether it's an FA Cup game, if anyone changes basically what is this normal starting lineup, it, it unsettles you. And, and if if the lower league team plays their full strength team with a cohesion, with their, with the, you know, with with the fact that they they, they play with each other every week and they they're, they're on their A game, 
I, I, some, sometimes it sort of like negates any any kind of supposed divisional um, advantage. So what what I'm what I was thinking, you know, what what, what really I've, what frustrated me most on Saturday really was the fact that the Brentford team that started should have still been good enough to, to have won. And that's that's always the excuse. You know, we saw last night Man City were, were taken very close by um, by Bristol City. Bristol City took the lead. Man City didn't look as fluent as they did week in, week out. And it took like one of the A-teamers, or the, it's got an A-teamer, one of the international world-class teamers to come in to get a, a last knock-ins winner. But... You know, I, 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 what I really want is for Brentford to take it seriously. We are, we are a, a high-end championship team. We could, with the right draw and the right attitude, get to the quarter-finals, semi-finals of a major cup in this country now. If Bristol City can do it, Brentford can do it. If Bradford can do it, Brentford could do it. And it, it's taking it seriously. It's, it's playing your A-team, and then once you're 2 or 3-0 up, them playing your B team, um, but we we seem to be resting. And I I'm not saying that players like um, you know um, uh, Woodsy and um, Ollie Watkins don't deserve a bit of rest. And I think I think it is quite wise to do that only if you're going for promotion. But realistically, you know the stats say you know playoffs maybe relegation. No, we're not going to go down. What, what is it you want out of a season? A cup run would be would be brilliant for Brentford. It really does. It really does, um, you know, show what we're achieving. You know, it's very difficult to get that national spotlight of, of everyone getting behind you, and the cup still does. It, it still puts you under the spotlight, and I think Brentford could learn from that. Uh, the Dutchman. I mean, we spoke to Mark from Talksport. He, he chatted on the um, the pre the post match podcast, and it's on the little clip we talked a bit earlier. He said that we um, we probably didn't deserve to lose, but we didn't do quite enough to win. He just thought, you know, which is quite interesting. Now, do you think that um, that, 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 that game, uh, if we hadn't made changes, it would have been a different scenario? Well, I think undoubtedly that. I mean, I've got to be honest, when I saw the team in the pub before the game, I wasn't that disheartened. So, you know, hindsight's a great thing. I thought it was a reasonable team. I thought there was perhaps, and I said it at the time, one or maybe one, maybe two changes too many. But I thought it was a strong enough team to win it. It was only when we got out on the pitch and you realised that no one in front of the back four knew what position they were playing in and where to go. You realised that what looked good on paper with a you know a bunch of names that we knew and and liked, like hasn't gone in the past tense, like um, wouldn't necessarily a team that could play together. I just get really quite grumpy that we've spent you know the majority of my years supporting the bees, like the guys around the table, desperately trying to get into round three. You know, desperately fighting through crap games home and away round one round two and now we get this automatic entry into round three we don't seem interested in getting into round four and I find it you look at the teams that have gone through over the weekend and who the potential draws could have been you know you're one or two draws away from as Laney says getting through to rounds five round six and really putting yourselves in the map and I, I just you know, I, I, I get the resting players and I do get it more so particularly after Christmas and New Year where you know they have played four games in a short period of time and there are squad players who need playing but you can't just change you know we said it before after very after some um, League Cup games Carabao Cup whatever they're called these days where you know, if you change all 11 players so what those 11 players are never going to play together at a top level it's pointless you need to put those change players in amongst the normal team and you tweak one or two three players 
and that's how you see if they can fit into a wider team. So in effect, eight cha- I mean, we made eight changes for that game, and eight changes was, it seems to be, and a lot of the fans were saying as well, that eight changes were too much. Listen, not denying the fact that the players are quality, we've got some players out there that are very good, but there's no point having a load of individuals. We've seen a load of teams out there. Um, Birmingham City, prime example, we keep coming back to them. Loads of great individuals, but as a team, they don't play a great team together. And for us to throw 11 players out there and expect them to play against, against a Notts County team who played together for ages, fighting for promotion to Division 2. It might just be Division 2, but if we turned around and thought, tell you something, we're going to beat them by just throwing 11 players together, that's fine. And I think there's an underestimation there. And I know Dean Smith said, I thought we weren't too far off because we missed a couple of chances, we hit the post twice, blah, this, that, the other. Yes and no, because A, we lost the game, and B, they Notts County went toe-to-toe with us in that match, and, 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 they, and they did us. I just got one more point. What really annoys me more than anything is when you rest a load of players to do it, and then you have to bring them off the bench anyway to try and rescue a game. I can't see anything more pointless than rescuing resting star players and then bringing them on with 20 minutes 25 minutes to go to try and save a game that you could have won in the first place by putting those players on from the start which is my point blitz them go 2-0 up then take the star players off so soups again the disappointment is from from the fans Um, I'm just asking you the cup speaking to a lot of people afterwards there's a lot of people and I know you might say oh they're saying this straight after the game they'll think differently after three or four months or some people are saying they'll think differently if we get to the playoffs so there's two points I'm going to make here first of all first of all should we just forget about the cup I mean the fact is I said I almost didn't come should we look, if, 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 if the club aren't going to take it seriously right, like we did back in the day when we got excited about it and we go yes it's the cup I mean we were like we're up for the cup when we turned up at the pub but the vibe wasn't really there I mean I know it's Knox County but it wasn't like that the, you know years ago where it's just like you could feel there's a tingling even if we played a lower side there's a tingling there it's just kind of like you know not really it. so you know if we, should, should, should we as fans think tell you something I'll give it a miss today I'll, I'll go gardening what do you reckon well, it's, it's something of a self-fulfilling prophecy really that um, there's been a few seasons since we came up that the club are feel, feeling weakened sides so you know it's going to happen again so it does sort of dampen your enthusiasm a little bit. Um, you'd hope the club will say, OK, we've done it too many times now, we've weakened the side a bit too much. Uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, I know. There were too many changes, we all see that. I don't, I don't, I'm not a social media geek or anything like that, I don't watch it too much, but there weren't too many complaints about the side before the game. But after the game, yeah, we all saw too many changes, Good players, but not quite a team like Notts County were a team. Week in, week out, confident, winning games, top of the league, that kind of thing. So I think the club need to admit, in a sense, they can't just say, oh, we're, we've got it completely wrong. But um, give us some hope that we're going to have a better shot at cup competitions following following seasons, and then be more enthusiastic for fans. I mean, not, I have to say, not all teams at our level field weakened sides. I, I hasten to add, QPR didn't field a weakened side against franchise FC, aka MK Dons. Okay, admittedly they lost, but they, they put out a pretty much a full-strength side against um, 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 franchise FC, which I think was very interesting. And funny. Yeah, it is quite funny as well. And, and there is also an argument, we'll say, is that if you're winning, winning becomes a habit. If you're playing together, it becomes a habit. So, and there's the adrenaline, you know, you start chopping and changing. We saw that with um, Uwe Rosler. Uwe Rosler, remember, he played one side. He kept chopping and changing the sides week on week on week. We could never get any momentum, and it's only when it basically 
shit hit the fan at Stevenage and they had the meeting and then all of a sudden he decided to keep the same side he came the same side then he went on a winning run and then he got another job and went off elsewhere so it's like winning becomes a habit playing together becomes a habit it's all these types of things you're You've got camaraderie, you've got all this kind of stuff, but, you know, so I understand what they're saying about players needing rest and everything like that, but I've got to go part back to it never happened back in the day, so why has it changed? Losing also becomes a habit, you know, so we, the fact is we've got one this year, you know, uh, Wolves, okay, we can, we can write that one off, we, we, we weren't expected to win and, you know, they, they, were, they were great on the night. But I think I think you need to start this run again. We had three three wins on the on the on the, on the, in the build up to the Wolves match. Um, you need to get back to winning ways, and um, I think you're, I think you're right. It was it was probably one or t- maybe two changes too many. I think we all wanted to see the debut of Marcondes. I think Chatsy playing at left back wasn't wasn't an awful decision. Um, the goalie clearly, you know, he needs to get some practice. He needs to get some first team experience. Uh, you know, fine. More pay, yeah. He needs some more. He needs some more experience. He needs some more game first team game time. Um, so you know, McLeod, he, we expected him to come back and start pushing. So you know, McEachran as captain, I, that, that's the one for me. Um, maybe it's an opportunity that they gave him to show his leadership skills in his in his kind of. Um, his experience, and for me, it fell flat on his face. And you know, and I said after the, I said after the game that I'm not quite sure where he, where he, you know, he needs to, he needs to really roll his sleeves up now. I'm, I'm, it's a big question mark over him now. So, you know, this, we, we made, we made one or two changes too many, but I think it was the players that let, the players that let the club or the, the manager down. It wasn't. I don't think it was. I, you know, I don't really think it was Dean Smith that made the made the did, uh, made the mistakes. I think the players just didn't turn up, and um, ultimately that's what's let us down. Bringing on a plus side as well. There was a there was a well. There's a plus side of it. It was uh, Alan Judge. Alan Judge made his debut. It was interesting because it was exactly a year on from when there was a player who'd been away for 18 months and came back, which is hotter. And that was a, a magnanimous day. Magnanimous, probably the wrong word again. It was a magnificent day. And it was an absolutely magnificent day where, you know, we had Martin Allen, obviously got the hype going, got the vibe going, bought, put numbers on the crowd as well. So there's a positive vibe going around Brentford. Then all of a sudden, Hotter, who also made his debut for a first time in Asia that way as well. So everyone was like, "Ray!" We had Alan Judge who came on as a substitute. Um, and it was great when he came on and there was the standing applause, ovation and everything like that. Everyone got to their feet. But it was a different vibe for, for Judgy as well, wasn't it? Because he'd come on and we were battling against the Division 2 side that we are going to go out to the Cup 2. And that was, uh, that was a bit of a shame, wasn't it? It was, but it was great to see him back. He, he looked sharp, he looked fit. One lovely touch, sort of a back heel. You know, he, he looks in place straight away. So there's, there's a new sign in there for us, you know, for however long he stays there. But you're right, I mean, I think he's himself after the game. Great to come on, but at the time all he was worried about was we're 1-0 down and he needs to change the game and, and get us back into it. But, yeah, let's, you know, none of us can underestimate how good Judge he was back in you know, one, one and a half, two years ago, and he's a fantastic addition. But I think following on from what Dave said, ironically, all those changes that, that we made, I don't think they were the players that cost us the game. It was the, some of the regular players I thought had stinkers on Saturday. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to name them here. That's not how I you know, personally would do things. But 
do us one off. Well, I mean, we should do. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's right to call out players who generally I quite like, but I, I agree with Laney as much that I thought I thought Josh McCracken wasn't very good on Saturday. Let's put it that way. But I thought others weren't very good, and you can argue whether they're just out of form, out of confidence. Malpay added nothing up front. I'm naming them now, Billy. I'm naming them. Um, you know, Malpay up front didn't add anything. And again, I think the reason I don't want to name them is because they work hard. I like these players. They're not, you know, there's nothing bad about these players. And it's not back in the day where there's players that you don't like. They're players we really like. We really want to do well. But what I'd say and, is and their work ethic is amazing. But yeah, what, what, what I'd say, and sorry to interrupt you there, and I'm going to there, but I think with the players that they all turn around after the final whistle's gone and two or three days later and they'll put their hand up and say actually we don't think we've done good enough I've looked at headlines and we've had McLeod saying we should have been then we weren't good enough you know what I'm saying so I think the players it's, it's good being positively critical at the end of the day that's what, that's what, that's what we have to do OK I feel better for saying that now but I don't, I don't like naming players that, that I like but I thought McCrickham other than the sort of first 10 minutes I thought he didn't know where he was going I thought positionally he got in the way of others perhaps he was trying too hard with his captain's armbands um, trying to do too much, I thought. He certainly gave the ball away. He, well, since that song started, things have got worse, really, haven't they? I think. Um, and, and Malpe clearly needs a goal and confidence and all the rest of it. But I just thought it was those players who didn't quite play quite so well. I just thought that midfield was completely disjointed, really. And they're all players individually I like, um, but as a team, they just didn't seem to know what position each was playing in. They were kind of getting each other's way a bit and trying to do the same roles. And, and I guess that's what's happened when you, when, when you, you, know, you change that formation. It's, it's not just about the players. It's about, we talked about it before on this podcast, the way of playing, the Brentford way of playing that we've got now, the formation, the style, the football, you know, the kind of the positional sense. And that, that went out the window Saturday. And I think that was more than the actual individuals. It was that lack of consistency in how we normally play our game. And uh, on Saturday as well, we had a very eagerly awaited debut of Emiliano Mercondes, who came from Denmark, who scored 17 goals in Denmark in four months, and he made his debut for Brentford on Saturday. We were all very excited about that. Um, interesting haircut as well he had. He obviously kind of went down the barbers and sharped himself up very nicely for his debut. And uh, it's interesting because I normally sit behind, I stand behind the goal, the Ealing Road, but I said because I was with my kid. So I was in the side, so I saw the game slightly differently. Wouldn't like to sit at the side all the time because you see the game completely differently and it's very difficult to see certain things, especially if you're used to watching it from behind the goal. But I was watching him quite a lot and I thought that he had some interesting touches, but Notts County for second division who were harrying and hassling for the ball, probably not the best debut for Marcondes. Soups. No, it was difficult for him. I think he came in and tried to do the, the basics, uh, fit into the team pattern, play it simple. Not trying to be, oh, I'm Mark Condes, I'm your saviour, going to do the flash tricks and sort of amazing goals. He tried to He was um, tried to be a team player, which is good. I think that bodes well for the future, that he's not a, a Bertie Big Bollock, so to speak, that he w- thinks he can do it all. Um, it was a tough debut, uncompromising uh, opposition against him. Yeah, another day he'll fit. And let's remember, it's his first game in England, his first game in new club. Teammates that are not even a lot of them first choice nailed down regulars. He did pretty well. Could have done, could have done better. Could have buried the other last ditch. Well, there's a lot more to come from him. I don't want to be critical of him. Uh, interesting because there's a uh, on, on bits of social media as well. Marcondes did come from a little bit of grief from Brentford uh, fans 
Uh, admittedly, again, you have to be careful because immediately after the game, people vent their feelings immediately. We hear it on the post-match broadcast all the time. And maybe a day or two later, they flip, they flip their mind. But he came under a little bit of grief from Brentford fans who basically, a lot of them were just saying that he was absolutely awful. I mean, they said a lot of the team was awful as well, but he came through a little bit of grief. I mean, Laney, do you think that was justified or fair? Probably not. Um, I, don't, I don't think... He, I think he looked confident. I think for his debut, he looked um, well within his comfort zone. I don't think he was played in the right position. Um, I don't think he was... I think he was played in a in a in an area where he fitted into the team rather than that was his you know I, I think Morpé was the one I think I think he he was he was given the nod up top um and and um Macondes was kind of I don't I, I he, he didn't really he didn't he wasn't he wasn't behind he, he was kind of like out on the wing a bit um he wasn't playing through the middle, which I expected to see him. So it's, it's more to come from him. You know, he, he, he scored 18 goals or 19 goals. He's, he's, he's clearly not a flash in the pan. Um, to give him grief on his debut, I think it's always really harsh. He's, you know, I, I, I couldn't do that personally. You know, everyone's got their opinions, and if you if you think he's rubbish and you want to write him off after a game, then you know, do it. But you're going to have egg on your face at some stage, I hope. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it was a complete. I think it was just a lacklustre performance by by the, the, the creative players. You know, then we had you know we had um, Ollie Watkins that came on late. You know, Macondes he had he had one cleared off the line last knockings as well. So he, you know, on another day he would have got the equaliser. I, I, I actually think it's a, a little bit wrong to have a go at him. I, I don't think he I don't think he was played in his in his strongest position. I think it's massively wrong to have a go at him. I don't, I don't think he had a blinding game by any stretch, but you know, in, in that environment with that team, I thought he showed confidence. He had some decent touches. He was desperately trying to get involved. You know, we really can't... People pinning the defeat on him was just absolute lunacy, really. There's more experience than you know, more regular players that take the blame for that. I thought he looked exciting. I think he's a good addition. I think he's probably just a victim of... You know, modern day social media hype. There's a guy there that actually no one's ever heard of or ever seen play. You know, other than a, you know, a few um, very focused individuals. You know, the majority of people there would never have heard of him, never seen him play. They've read the hype and they're expecting the guy to come on and be a, you know, a match winner in his first game. And you know, I, I think he'll be a good player, a good addition. Don't judge him on day one. He'll be absolutely fine for us, I'm sure. You know, saying all of that and, be, and being kind of um, gentle, for, for want of a better word, on the players that kind of turned out against Notts County. We expect a reaction on Saturday. You know, we've, we've got Bolton at home um, in, in, in the league, and we, we actually need to see us back to our very best. We will do indeed. And just coming back to that previous game as well for the Notts County game, video assisted referee VAR. A little bit of hype about that because I think VAR has, has come in now, and a lot of people are talking about it because I know Brighton, um, when they play Crystal Palace on Monday, Oh, it was all over the news before that, but was it true? Did we have? Did we actually have VAR at Brentford for our match? Um, the Dutch, would you know? No, we didn't. No. Should, should we? Should we have? No. All the decisions at Brentford, you know, are made by us standing behind the Ealing Road, judging whether it's right or wrong. There's no need for anything else. So I think Judge had a shot which hit the crossbar. Did it hit the crossbar? Did it go down? And did it? Better? Again, I was on the side, so I couldn't see. Yeah, it went over the line twice. It's two goals. <laughs> but the VAR wasn't working. Is that right? No, it was unplugged. Cheers. Thanks very much. So listen, VAR, 
forget it, we don't need it anymore, let's just ship it back to, you know, to, to, to China or wherever they got it from in the first place because there's no, no interest, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, listen, just coming back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about my, my predicament in the summer, which, you know, is only 10% <coughs> chance that we'll probably get to a playoff final, but still, that 10% chance, we're still hanging our hopes on it as well. And because coming back to 10% chance as well, we, we, we've obviously kind of withdrawn from the cup. Does that mean we're going to go full Monty because we feel we're going to go for the playoffs? Um, does that mean we're going to invest this, this window? Or, or are we thinking, well, if it happens, it happens? Because this is an interesting scenario. We're, we, we, we haven't thrown players beyond the cup, but also we're not thinking that we are going to necessarily go for the playoffs like we did three years ago when um, Mark Warburton was in, uh, was in charge. And at this time of the year, we were like going, let's go for it, let's go for it. We're willing to invest. But I think at the moment now it's kind of like it could happen with our team at the moment now, but we're not necessarily going to chase it. So I think that's a very interesting moment. But coming back to that, that affects me, obviously, and a lot of other people. 10% chance of us getting to the playoffs. The fever moment pitch, as we say. You know, what do we do? Are we changing our dates in the diary to, to, to flip with, you know, the Brentford fixtures? The Dutchman, what's your fever moment? Fever pitch moment. <laughs> My fever moment pitch. Yeah. Um, well, it's a bit of it's a bit of a fluff, really. I was I was um, in Trinidad at the time, and I went there knowing that I was going to miss. And it, you know, it wasn't even a big game, ironic. It was a league game, and I think it was Charlton. But you know what? It was that not big that I can't remember. And I decided that I was going to miss it, and it would have been the first game that I missed that season. And I've never done a complete season. And about two days before we were due to come back, I decided to change my flights and come home alone which is always a popular family move and and see the game so I changed my flights arranged to come back home only for the flight to be delayed by six hours and I missed the game but I still claim to this day that as we flew into Heathrow I flew over Griffin Park while the game was on and the floodlights were there and I could genuinely hand on heart tell you that I saw a small part of that game which in my mind means I still saw every game that season Ah, so there you go. So basically, that's been flying back from Trinidad to make sure they meant every game this season. It's still good fever pitch moments. Laney, um, any other the tweets from people on their fever pitch moments? Yep, there's a, there's a couple here. Hold on, bear with me for two seconds. So there's the, well, a little bit of warning, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> so, so um, Lowenthal said, like, on a delayed flight home I told them I was in the art no sorry that's not them I missed my best friend's wedding to go and watch the bees play Wigan at Wembley um, with my dad my mum went on her own which was kind of that's, that's, that's a Laney a, a Laney story Caroline Lane has said that um, um, da, 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 da. um so like um, Tabby Woo has said, we bribed the then six-year-old with a visit to Cabri World before the Birmingham City Cup match. He spent the entire match playing on his Game Boy. I'm ashamed to admit he still prefers rugby. Oh, that's, that's, you can't. Thugby, it's not, it's not good. Um, uh, Peter Frost. No, 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 no. Um, um, da, 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 da. No, come back to me in a second. Two secs. Well, there's some 80s moments as we talk about 80s thought about 80s theme as well the Bolton game as well is going to be 80s theme and um, we're going to go back to our podcast we're going to go back to our podcast because we had Terry Evans for our podcast and he's going to talk about well as Terry Evans does 
he's going to talk about what he does. But like I said, we're going to go back to the the the, 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 the besotted pride of West London socials as well. On the last social we did at Christmas, like I said, we raised over a thousand pounds for four different charities. Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably. We had the British Legion Shooting Star Chase um, Hospice, which is a Fuller's. Um, charity as well and also the Brentford Community Trust so a thousand pounds raised for all the Beast fans inside they've done really well so that was from one of the socials but Terry Evans at one of the socials he's going to be talking about one of his 80s stories we had Paul Merson and also uh, Graham Ricks as well you play with them too I mean what were that any stories there at all I remember uh picking Merce up one day and uh, just driving him I used to pick him up in Norfolk just off that Shadwell estate Pick him up, and he was over at the Arsenal, but he wasn't driving. Pick him up, take him through, take him to training. So he's telling me one day, he said, Oh, yeah, my old man was out playing cars last night and uh, fucking lost the car. Just like losing a couple of quid on the horses, yeah. He said, Yeah, the, the old man lost the car last night and gave, gave him a cards. And, and, uh, and, and Rixie around the place, yeah, Rixie, he, he must have stepped down a couple of divisions, massive star at Arsenal, come back, come down and played for, for Brentford, but once again, you know, he's put his shoulder to the wheel, and, and, and oh, I thought, you know, he, he was great for us, put fucking some, some great corners, free kicks in for me, I think he stuck one on me head against Fulham, I got scored against Fulham Boxing Day, he, he, he put a free kick in, but uh, yeah, yeah, two good lads as well, yeah. I mean, I've got to ask you as well, I mean, it's interesting because, I was, again, reading through the, 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 the record and stuff like that, talking about now is like when you get a player who's a great player, all of a sudden it's like, boom, he's gone. Like We're talking about Scott Hogan. We love Scott Hogan, but we're, like, we, we're hoping we can hold on to him after Christmas. He's only played about like 25 games for us or something ridiculous, you know what I'm saying? But looking through there, it's like Terry Evans signs a one-year deal. Terry Evans signs a two-year deal. He signs another two-year deal. It's just like you just keep on signing another deal, then another deal, and it's almost like that whole idea of like just sticking with your club was kind of really there. Whereas now it's sort of like you know because you know you're a decent centre back, you did the business, you know, and if you did what you did that, you know, then you'd be gone in a minute. So I just thought it was really interesting the fact that you you For you about can 10 million quid. <laughs> yeah, you know, you continually just kept on signing and signing on for Brentford, like you know, I mean, what was the thought? Or is that just what you did back then? I think now you've got you've got bigger coverage, you know. I, you, you put the telly on, you, you see goals from the fucking conference, you know. You, there's coverage everywhere of, of the football, you know. It's on the telly all the time. You know, you watch Sky Sports on a Saturday afternoon, it's on who's scoring goals. You know, you've got, you've got the fellow Shreves, you know, saying, oh, that's six for the season. So, you know, there's all that knowledge put out there. So it's in people's back of people's minds. And the other thing was there wasn't that, that sort of money around. You know, we, we you know, don't, don't get us wrong, you know, we, we had we some... Good though, you know, it was, it was better than, than the average person, but it wasn't mad. I remember I was offered uh, Bassett coming for me to go up to Sheffield United for about another hundred quid a week, and it was like, fucking hell, I don't want to go up north for another hundred quid. <laughs> you know, you know any, any northern is it, you know, but, but, but listen, it weren't, it weren't for me, you know, and, uh, and yeah, and then that was it, you know, so obviously, you know, I can understand the young lads that are going to be at Brentford now, been enticed with a, with a wage from, I don't know, what, 10, 20 grand a week to 100 grand a week, 80 grand, 60 grand a week, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a big, you know, it's, it's a big difference. Like I said, for 100 quid, go up the, uh, pop up the M1. Not for me. So, to coin a phrase from back in the day, around the hive, if everyone remembers that, I think it was in the Brentford programme, there's like around the hive, a little bee, and a little hive around there, and we thought we'll have a little sniff around the hive. 
see what activity is taking place in and around Brentford or just after the new year because this is new year new cheer as they say and as we said last week as well January the 1st transfer window opens and there's all sorts of malarkey that takes place when the transfer windows open but let's forget about the transfer window for now because there's one player that's been talked about within the transfer window that he may or may not go because he hasn't signed a new contract is Lasse Vibe but Lasse Vibe probably hasn't done any harm to his potential move away from Brentford if he is to go we don't want him to go at all because he has been nominated for the PFA Championship Player of the Month Voting, we had a little uh, article on besotted.com. You could have voted for Lasse Vibe, but that finished today. Uh, or maybe you can still vote Well, by the time you listen to this, which will be tomorrow, Thursday. You can't vote anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Depends, but, depends what time zone you're in. Yes, if you're in, well, yeah. it doesn't depend on what time zone you're in, because at the end of the day, it will still be <laughs> British, um, what's it, GMT? <laughs> no, it's still summertime. Kill yeah. joy. Jim DMT or British Summertime or wherever we're at. Anyway, so we can't do that. But Lasse Vibe has been voted for as a peer, has been nominated for PFA Player of the Month. There's another four or five players that have been nominated alongside of him as well. And they've asked fans to vote because it's gone out to the general public and the fans vote. Now, I'm a little bit of a person who not quite sure about these fan vote things. I've seen how it works in the music industry. And uh, I remember the year when Craig David uh, was up for Brit Award against, I think it was A1. A lot of you have been saying, A1, ooh, never heard of him. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? So we were doing the old Craig David that year, and A1 came on, and they went up for a fan vote in the Brits, and obviously they just, they mobilised the A1's nutty fans, and they absolutely smashed it. And they won the Brit Award, and then you never heard from them again. So we were just asking the question, I mean, is this really the right way to choose the best player of the month, lady? No. Why? Um, because obviously it's the big, big club, big club wins. You know, so so B team Leeds United player gets nominated. Obviously they've got a huge fan base, so they can motivate it by social media. It ends up being a social media marketing campaign by by these big clubs. You know, and you know we we we've seen it. You know, they they can get ten thousand votes at a drop of a hat because they've got a million fans and. You know, and the champions of Europe, the champions of Europe, mm. yeah. And we've we've got ten thousand ten thousand people, and we, we get a thousand votes. It doesn't mean they're a better player. It means the club has got more fans. And I, I, it's not the right way to judge whether a player is good or not. You need a you need an independent um, adjudicator, and you know, it is you, you can't do it by Twitter followers or, or the, the 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 size of your social media following. You can't. It's not fair. Okay, so an interesting result, and it comes back to it because if you notice about it, is that um, this PFA Player of the Year has also come with a sponsor. So the PFA have found a sponsor for it, which is a car company. So if you look all over the branding, there's this big car company there, which you know, which we haven't mentioned because nothing to do with us, car company. You know, but that's the point is, it's not about the car company itself. Is that they've got that. So obviously they're looking to increase their exposure a million times over. So they have probably instructed the PFA to say you need to do it by a fans vote because we need to try and get as much exposure as possible, which is a way of twisted, twisted, twisted it to a certain extent, isn't it? Yeah, of course, they want engagement and exposure and it's all geared towards the big club. They, they, we're kind of like, we are the shit on the shoe of, 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 for sponsors. You know, we're part of, we're part of the, the championship, 
but we're the smallest, one of the smallest clubs in the championship. So when when these clubs, when sorry, when these sponsors are signing up for the championship, they sell the Aston Villas, they sell the they sell the Sunderlands, they sell the Derbys, they sell you know. They're the clubs they sell. We they don't we don't get mentioned in it. Let's be honest. We're we're the most excited. We're probably the most exciting club in the championship. The way the football we play, but, uh, other than Wolves, of course. Yeah, no, yeah, of course, and Wolves as well. You know, get, but but from a sponsorship perspective, you know, it's about numbers. It's it's all about numbers, and we, we can't provide those. As per the answer on uh, VAR, the best judges of this is clearly us. Um, and therefore Vibay should probably be the player of the month uh, it's, it's a nonsense to do it on social media it's like the you know the, the sports personality of the year that used to be on a sort of a long campaign to vote and now it's whoever's watching for the, the hour and a half and it's on TV I think but one thing, one thing that is good is you've cleared up A1 because I always thought it was pronounced I so you've just kind of improved my intelligence level <laughs> massively I mind all that yeah uh, but it's that. We, all, we all know that any online poll is um, you know, suspect in terms of potential manipulation or just sheer size of, of following. So that that's not the right way to do it, is it? There's a, even a, a judging panel, as seems to be the previous way of doing it, is a much fairer way. Yeah, but as usual, it comes out of money. The, the sponsors pay the money. They say, we want it done this way. And whatever way gets us much exposure has been said already, they'll take it that way. I think for credibility's sake... If you want something to be true and real, I think you want a panel of, say, well, from the PFA, recently retired players who judge on performances, basically. Fans will have opinions, fine. We want a fan's opinion to be to the fore. But it's distorted when we have lesser fans and the bigger club. If that's the Villa players up, they'll get it. So, I mean, so this is this is this podcast is dropping on Thursday, and I presume the the player of the month is going to be coming out on Thursday or probably Friday. What, what if Ollie? What, uh, what if um, Lasse Vue wins? If Ollie Watkins yeah, wins, it'd be amazing. I'm not even nominated that's what to be honest. When you ask us to do the vote. Um, if well, no, if um, if uh, if Lasse Vue wins, and obviously it's a brilliant system, and uh, you know, and you know, we'll take the cynicism back completely. Conspiracy theory. I'll say if, uh, if Fibe wins, I think the sponsors should put an advert saying, Ole, 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 Lasse, Fibe, buy our car, please. Indeed. So listen, going on to transfers though, Ollie Watkins, uh, listen, I'm, I'm thinking I'm three steps ahead of all you guys as well. Um, three steps behind, yeah. three <laughs> one step beyond. That's right. So th- listen, just one step ahead of you guys as well, talking about transfers. And uh, like I said to you, it's, it's actually sort of quite quiet. We talked about this beforehand, transfer window. Why the hell is a transfer window a month? Because most of the activity takes place in the last two or three days of a transfer window. So we're sitting down there and all these clickbait newspapers and websites are putting out their stories about who's interested in who and who's interested in what. So the latest stories that we've seen is Ollie Watkins. Um, There was an article in The Guardian today, which is probably less clickbait than other sites as well, but still they want to get people on there. So you can say that. Seven Premier League players, um, or seven players from the Championship that Premier League should be looking at. And it was an interesting article because they, they outlined a number of players, including Ryan Sessignon, obviously from Fulham, James Madison from Norwich, who's the guy that's tearing up at Norwich, Diego Hotter, which is the, the, the fake Hotter at Wolverhampton Wanderers, or he might actually argue that he's actually the real Hotter now. Um, Barry Douglas as well, who's at Wolverhampton Wanderers as well, and obviously Ollie Watkins. 
at Brentford, who is one of seven players that they're saying that you need to look out for, which is really interesting because obviously Ollie Watkins has only been with us for, for four months. He's come from Exeter City. He cost um, 1.8 million, which in relative terms is uh, little money. They've all said that he's um, a lot of money for us, but they've said also his price is much more than that. You know, the only player in that whole seven to rank amongst the top 10 in the league for dribbles. He's 65 dribbles and he's fifth. Key passes. He's got 54 key passes and he's third. And shots. 83 shots and he's first in that league. So the only player in all them lots. So what they're saying is that he's a good player. He hasn't scored as many goals as the shots that he's had. If he's actually scored loads more goals, he'd be an absolute, you know, on fire. But they're saying he's one to watch out for. So that's quite interesting. So there's a little bit of vibe about Ollie Watkins. Uh, Laney? Uh, we're talking about fire. Um, Simon Westbury has um, just uh, tweeted us and said, I waited years and years to see Earth, Wind and Fire in concert at Wembley Arena back in the early 80s. Then we get a home cup replay, replay on the same night. Chose the Bees game and the match was called off less than an hour before kickoff. And that was, it seems like a, a quite an angry face. Um, and the other one was, says, um, I was due to play in a league, league Cup final at Hayes, but went to the Fulham game in 92 instead. So, um, very good. In, indeed, indeed. So, listen to... Oh, another one, sorry. Nick Carthew from, hmm? from down... Who's he? I've no idea who he is. Nick Carthew. He said um, he, went, he, 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 was, um, he got invited to the Arga um, uh, exhibition at the, um, the Ball Ring in, in Birmingham. And he, he, he put his name down for a, a bright pink Arga and there was only a green one involved. And he had to, he had to buy a green one. Uh, really, really. Yeah. And, and, and so he missed the football match because of that? Apparently. Uh, no, 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 that's not right. <laughs> Indeed. So listen, so listen. So coming back to the transfers, Ollie Watkins. So... A little bit of sniffing around the Ollie Watkins as well, and also Ryan Woods. We talked about Ryan Woods before, and we've tried very badly tried to disguise the rumour that actually Birmingham City was rumoured to have bid um, 5.5 million, or not bid, but uh, sniffing around him for 5.5 million pounds. Uh, hadn't gone into the club as such, but it's uh, that was the word on the street. Interesting little bit of um, um, little, little bit of article that came out recently as well uh, on the Swiss Ramble. Very very good blog as well, which uh, Brentford featured on them about a year, a year and a bit ago. A financial blog, but it it tries to break it down so that the the average person can understand it. And it's broken down the Birmingham City financial scenario. You have to check it beside Twitter. We'll try and put it on the information page on here as well. But it's interesting because it just basically, long story short, it just says Birmingham spent a lot of money recently. It's gone exponentially up and they'll need about £50 million to be injected by their Chinese owner in the next 18 months or in the next 12 months actually to uh, to keep them going to keep them going as they are if he keeps putting the money in it's not a problem but that's a, a, that's a lot of money if you consider that we lost 10 million last year you know our wage bill when it was highest was about 18 million but it's probably come down a lot like that Birmingham was spending £22 million last year and even more than that so but the reason why I don't could have mentioned Birmingham City is um it's just this Ryan Wood scenario I cannot see it happening anyway Birmingham City have been in so much of a pickle you know we just talked about that a pickle that's right how the hell are they going to afford um, to keep afloat and and bid five six seven million pounds for a player at a time let's be honest you know Woodsy has got he's not he's not got the world at his feet 
but um, why would he want to go to apart from you know quadrupling his wages? But why would you put yourself in a position where there's a chance of you getting relegated? Birmingham City, for a couple, apart from a couple of wins recently, which Bolton had recently, it doesn't get him outside of a, a relegation dogfight. Um, why would you want to put yourself in a perilous position where you could be playing League One football next year? That is not going to do his career any good. He's a Premiership light player. We, 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 you know, Woodsy will be the first probably, and his dad and his agent will probably be the first to, to admit what kind of Premiership club does Ryan Woods fit into. There might be one or two. Um, Birmingham City aren't in the Premiership shake-up. You know, to, for him to go to Bristol City is probably a better move. For him to go to Aston Villa um, is a, obviously a good move. For him to go to Wolves is a is a genius move. But do do Wolves need Ryan Woods? Do, do, do Aston Villa need Ryan Woods? They're, Aston Villa probably. So they're, they're the kind of clubs he's looking at. Derby County possibly, but in Derby County they're in for you know um, they're in for Pritchard. So you know there's 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 a lot of those kind of players going to be moving around he needs to bide his time he, he needs to probably knuckle down and establish himself at Brentford for another year probably he signed a long long term contract it would be quite nice for him to be here for another year or so in my opinion indeed you know and just talking about players because players because I said it's very early days yet and you know it's almost like you can feel that we're trying you know we're trying to create some news here because first second week of the window rubbish mate it's the back end of the window where it all starts to kick off and that's where it's going to be really, really happening a few stories flying around again clickbait stories they talk about this Limerick's Chidozi Ogbini you know who us and Chelsea are after again you know listen it may happen it may not happen um, I, I know we, I, we talked about there's a player we're playing um, we talk about it a little bit where we're going to uh, we're going to to, to, to to Shamrock Rovers and there's a player playing for Shamrock Rovers at the moment now who's a very very, very hot player, um, very hot player at the moment. Now I'll dig out his name in, in, in a second, but um, or I'll take his name in a little bit. But you know, everyone says yes, we should be going after him. But then afterwards, it's just not the type of player. So you can almost imagine when these when these stories reach the newspapers, it's more likely that their agent is putting it there than anybody else. Like you know, Chelsea and Brentford in the same breath. Um, there is one player. Who, uh, as you know, I'm a, I go to the Hamlet when I when I can do every now and again. And there's a player who uh, has been scoring goals for Hamlet ten to the dozen. His name is Reese Alisani. He scored 17 goals in 15 matches up to Christmas. He's doing very very well. Um, he just joined them from Crystal Palace. He was pretty much a free agent actually. He was released by Palace. So I had a little bit of a sniff around to see you know whether or not the Alisani might be one of the Brentford. You know, a few people say, Bill, you know, the Alisani might be right for bees. Um, word is that I think the Alisani is actually the bees have actually had a little look at the Alisani and he was uh, he was training with them in the summer from what from what I can gather speaks to, to a few characters um, not sure whether or not it worked out or not but you know he obviously moved to Hamlet afterwards and now it looks like he's probably going to move to Exeter as well as so Exeter moving around so it looks like again one of these things is that you know it's a very low you know not very low level but the level where Hamlet are at for him to go from there to the Premier League is actually after the Championship is actually quite a high jump. Is it Chinese Gary? Did he Chinese Gary tell you? Well, it was, uh, Chinese sources weren't on this one as well. It was a different set of sources for this one as well. Like you know what I'm saying, so it looks like you know for him to jump up from you know from the Ryman First Division, one, two, three, three divisions is actually quite a big a big jump for him. So good luck to him if he actually does sign 
time with Exeter, but it's interesting to see that, that Brentford, have, you know, they, they, they have obviously been doing their scouting and, and looking at the players who are actually making the moves as well. Listen, talking about B teams... Because we're talking about the B teams, because we've got a number of B team players who played against the Notts County um, on Saturday as well. And uh, the B team, they drew 3 all with Exeter, with uh, Lucas Talbro scored for the B team in that match. Uh, 3 all with Exeter. Now, we talked about last week, jokingly, uh, the B team tour to Ireland. On the 7th of February, they're playing in Dundalk, and the 10th of February, they're playing Shamrock Rovers. And we are looking at pencilling quite heavily. A little trip off to Dundalk, so maybe we might actually have to do a podcast from Dundalk oh, yeah, in a couple of weeks. Not, not only got the pencils out, we've got the old felt tips out for that one, I think. The crayons, more like. the crayons, yeah, we, we want fat tipped. That's right, so there's a bit of fat tipping going on for Dundalk. So like I said, we might we might be we might be going left field again with the Besotted Pride of West London podcast coming to you straight from Ireland. That's gonna be an interesting one. I'm not sure whether or not we'll be able to get get the podcast out for the following day for that one because it's it's gonna it may it may be, might require a lock in. Yes. It may, we may we may have to sort of kind of postpone that one for twenty four hours while we actually recover from that trip. Responsible drinking. Responsible. Because we've been completely responsible as well. But anyway, <laughs> Responsible because a bit of fever, pay, fever pitch and, and, and soups. I'm just wondering, your fever pitch moment? Uh, well, let's talk of just nipping out and doing a bit of a disappearing act to a game you weren't necessarily going to be at. Uh, I remember back in the day, it wasn't, wasn't a massive game, it was early doors, early season. <coughs> I get the early season optimism doing it in August. I was at Reading Festival, um, enjoyed myself thoroughly, but in the back of my mind I thought, ooh, Brentford playing Luton. It was decent games, early season optimism, like I say. Uh, not too much love lost between us and Luton. So I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, Thursday night is a sort of pre-festival night in the uh, sort of sports centre or uh, sports hall on the complex. And I met a new group of people. So I thought, come Saturday, I thought, I can tell my lot I originally went with, I'm going to spend the day with the other people and vice versa. So off I nipped out of the complex got a bus to uh, to Hammersmith saw the game it's a bit of a cracking game actually beat Luton 3-2 bit of a scorching game really loved it clean myself up with a nice bath scrub down do you know what I mean get back um, said yeah what a great day you know to both groups when I saw them and I, I remember a remark from a girl saying oh, you look very smart and clean it's in the context of people who've just been at a festival for, from Thursday night to Saturday so far I wasn't wearing a tuxedo or anything like that, but I felt smug about myself that, uh, with my duplicity and my uh, cleanliness and the fact we beat Luton 3-2. And they, they never knew a thing. Thank you. Did, did, you, did you have a bath at Griffin Park? Is that what you just said? Did I mishear that? Well, I, I, I so enjoyed the, um, the, uh, the 3-2 victory. I thought, yeah, I'll join with the players, get in a bath. Yeah, well done, lads. I'm part of the, part of the crew here. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, soups, <laughs> bathing at Griffin Park with the uh, with the players winning at Griffin Park, which is uh, very joyous. Um, I have to, I have to call this one out, Andy Moore. Um, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm reading this out as if it's a hundred percent true. Um, I delayed a doctor's appointment to buy tickets to watch us lose to Yeovil at Wembley. I probably shouldn't have, as they eventually found a massive tumour. And we lost. Oh my God! I hope you're all right, Andy. Um, that's 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 quite a bad one. Talking about medicals, um, 
we've got another medical here from Billy Reeves who put off having his shoulder transplant, a, tr a, tr a shoulder <laughs> replacement, a shoulder transplant, a shoulder replacement, because um, I know that he had a, like, a degenerative um, bone disease in his shoulder. He, he put it off after the Yo uh, after the QPR and the Fulham games recently, so he, he, he got to see the two games and then he could recover after that. My own one was, um, it was a game, I think it was Oldham in the FA Cup, and we needed to beat Oldham in a replay to get Chelsea yeah. in the next round. And I was invited to, on, I was invited, it's one of the last flights on Concord, so I got invited to do supersonic round the Bay of Biscay, flying out of Heathrow, back into Heathrow, it was a three hour flight, I think it was, first class on Concord. Corporate? No, it wasn't, well, yeah, it was, I was invited, I can't, I can't actually remember who now. Um, a client, and so I put off the Concord flight to go to Brentford, and we lost. What, what game was it? What, what game was it? It was the um, Oldham replay. Oh, the Oldham. So you, you so yeah. So yeah, you, yeah. you gave up Concord for the for the Oldham replay. Yep, and and there was an, one one other one that I remember. It was the, I think it was the tenth anniversary of um, when Saturday comes, and I went with Rupert from Rupert's Raw Falkirk fanzine. So it was a it was a pub not too far away from here actually, and Brentford were playing that evening. I think it was a Sherpa van, so it was a it was a um, lunchtime piss up, free bar. Went on when Saturday comes, and then he said, "Do you fancy coming back to my mate Noel Gallagher's house afterwards to listen to what's the story Morning Glory, their sec second Oasis album?" And I said, "No, it's all right. I'm off to Brentford." And the, it, it, it's, it's haunted me ever since because I could have been at Noel's place and doing whatever Noel does in his place, listening to his new album, and I swerved it for Brentford. Actually, you just reminded me of a story which I, I might tell later, but I don't know if I could tell on this one, actually. It's, it's actually quite bad. But anyway, shall we move on? 80s does it, moment. Does it involve a hotel room in Denmark? Not, not in Denmark, no, but somewhere else. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, this is the 80s moment, and Gary Roberts is going to just hark back to the 80s for us because it's the 80s-themed Brentford game against Bolton this weekend. Let's listen to what Gary Roberts had to say. And those... those League Cup games, especially, well, I mean, the one that stands out for me, I'd never forget, was Liverpool at home. It was one of the best Liverpool teams of, of all time, certainly in that, certainly in that era. And, you know, it was a, it's, the, the official crowd was 17 or nearly 18,000. There seemed to be a lot more in Griffin Park that night. It was, it was, it was full. It was full. Um, and you scored, you made it one all. You scored, we went one nil down and you scored, to, to, you know, that, that must be something you, you, still, you still remember vividly. Well, we should never have been one nil down. Right? If anyone sees the video of that now, right, it's on YouTube. It's an outright foul on um, on who's that? I think Dean Whitehead was it? Alan Whitehead. Alan Whitehead. Yeah, absolute foul on him. The bloke pulls him around the neck. Yeah, you know. So we shouldn't have been. Yeah, we shouldn't have been one nil down. And then we get the opportunity. Joe goes down the line, cuts it back to me. I clip it to the far post, as they say. <laughs> the lucky grubbler wasn't actually letting one in at the time you know what I mean <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah he didn't roll over that one anyway so you know to describe that feeling you know that it's those moments that must stay with you like now well they do they do because obviously they're, they're moments that are etched in your memory they're moments that are that are etched on YouTube you know and stuff like that the benefits of that 
and it's something you can tell your kids about, not that they're interested, but... <laughs> <laughs> or, or your friends down the pub. <laughs> so they, they switch off now, they go glazy-eyed, oh, do they? I've told them so many times, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm more interested in telling them about how my golf game's going, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, but again, we, you know, they, the game up at Swansea, they were they were in the top flight. They were a decent team at the time. We drew with them at Griffin Park. Went back to the Vetch. You scored after twenty seconds. Yeah, well, I think it was less than that actually. It's the quickest ever way goal at Swansea, and I think you give me another little cross that day. Well, that was probably his best position out on the left wing, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> Crossing it in, yeah, and I put it in straight away. Don't worry. But um, Paddy Roach made one of the best saves I've ever seen in my yeah, life absolutely. that day. Kept us in it. Yeah, when we were winning 2 1, and uh, he made a save from Bob Latchford, right, uh, you know, who was a good player, from six yards out, and it was akin to Gordon Banks in the World Cup. It was that good. All right. Yeah. Um, in this interview, which I will give you a copy of it because it's absolutely blinding, it says um, you went to pre season. Um, training at Butlins or you went on a tour to Butlins and you were, you were caught in the early hours by the manager on stage in front of 300 people singing When I'm Cleaning Windows yeah. do you want to is, is, is this something you want to relive tonight uh, in front of us? a spoon? <laughs> I, yeah, we'll find one I played the spoons as well at the same time they were doing a talent contest yeah, and they were asking for people to go up right? so I decided to do George Formby right, When I'm Cleaning Windows on the spoon Oh, you got a fork? Oh, I can do a fork as well. Don't worry about that, yeah. They're similar, aren't they? Fork and spoon. Now I go windy cleaning to earn an honest bob. For a windy cleaner, it's an interesting job. Oh, windy cleaning you must be if I could see what you could see when I'm cleaning windows. So next up, Bolton come to Griffin Park. And Bolton didn't start too well, but they've picked up a little bit and they could be a bit tricky. So we thought we need to speak to someone who knows all about Bolton, Eddie Skelly from the Lion of Vienna Sweet blog. This is what Eddie had to say. So Saturday's coming and it's back to the league again. And after the FA Cup weekend, which we all want to forget, both in London sides and also up north as well up in the Bolton area I think we both want to forget about the FA Cup it didn't exist as far as we're concerned it's back to the league we need to get three points Brentford need to get three points back in the bag and also Bolton Wanderers need to get three points back in the bag as well so listen things have been going a little bit iffy for Bolton this season as well but they've had a few lights at the end of the tunnel so we thought we are going to go up north speak to Eddie Skelly from the Lion of Vienna Suite blog because he's going to tell us all about Bolton. Eddie, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. Tell you something like that. Tell you, FA Cup, it doesn't exist. Tell you, let's concentrate on the league. Is that, is that your thoughts as well? Yeah, we'll, we'll just skip the cup completely. It didn't happen for me. That's right. Tell you something. Especially, tell you something, Royal Wedding is on the FA Cup final day. And to be quite honest with you, I think quite a few Brentford players and Bolton players are expecting to get an invite to the wedding. So I think they just kind of threw it in. Is that, is that what your thoughts are? Oh, definitely. It's Gary Medine's not on the front row next to the Queen. I don't know. That's right. right. So listen. So listen. I mean, last weekend wasn't great for us. We lost to Notts County. You'll hear back in the podcast. 
The Brentford fans talking about that. We talked about that a little bit earlier about how Brentford kind of went down and out against the county. We could have got a draw. We probably could have even got a win, but we didn't. And it was kind of our fault, really, because we played a, a not a full, full strength side. And maybe we could have actually, you know, they could have got a result out of that. But at the end of the day, you, 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 seek what you, you, you reap what they sow, as they say. You played Huddersfield, who were obviously promoted to the Premier League last week. And uh, they beat you at your, your, your ground. I mean, was that such a bad loss? Or, I mean, it, you know, paper doesn't look that bad, really. Yeah, we, I mean, we put in a pretty much full-strength side, really. We only uh, rested Gary Medine, who's uh, our top goal scorer this season, and put Aaron Wilbraham in instead, who's uh, touching 40 now. So that wasn't... He's not the striker he once was. It was, uh, it was a dull game, really. It was um, nothing in the first half, apart from Wilbraham managed to miss a free header from five yards out and got it right near the corner flag. And it's, it defies gravity how he managed to... Uh, Head it that far wide. I'm still amazed at it, but really, yeah, it was a bit of a, a rubbish game and two scrappy goals, and we were kind of undone, and that, uh, that was it. And it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting because you say that you Bolton put a full strength side out, even though you know you need to get your team who's going to be battling against the drop to Division One. But also, you know, if you put a full strength side out, you're actually thinking. To be honest with you, a cup run is very important and probably important for morale. I mean, what's what's your thoughts as a fan? Because Brentford fans, as you heard a little bit earlier are a little bit peeved off because every year we, we seem to not really take the cup seriously. I mean, I know people from club might be listening to this and say, actually, that's not true, we take it seriously. But the thoughts is if you make eight, nine changes from the side, you're never going to be as fluent as a team who's played together week in and week out. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's, it's when, you're at, when you're struggling for results. I mean, we've been getting a few good results recently, but when you're down at the bottom, I think every game is important to try and put your best team out and try and get a result so I think that was the thought behind it and also the money uh, the revenue for the cup we could probably do with because we're not the richest club in the league so a cup run would have been nice and it's I think it's been six years we've not progressed past the fourth round um, since we got to the quarterfinals against Spurs I think in 2012 so it's I'd like us to take the cup seriously but just whoever we've been drawn against or Results haven't been going our way, and yeah, this FA Cup's not been kind to us the last few years. Well, I mean, you can look on the plus side, it's not as bad as Keep the R who haven't progressed past the third round since I think in 2008. But anyway, we won't talk about them, we'll talk about Bolton because it has been a tough first half of the season for you guys. I mean, is it that you've just struggled to adapt to the league, you think? It's, it's a mixture of, uh, of lots of things, really. I think it's the championships, obviously, there's a lot more money than when we were there two years ago before we got promoted again. Um, we see like Wolves have bid £35 million for a striker and that's been rejected and they've already got such a wonderful side. And So I think a lot of teams have strengthened since we've been away and uh, we obviously just don't have the money. We've not spent a transfer fee, I think, for like three and a half years since we bought Max Curtin. So we've been doing well with threes and loans and I think it's... So Parkinson doesn't have, didn't have the best record in the championship before this season. Um, he struggled with Hull. Um, so it was probably just more him getting used to it and uh, finding the right formula. And, and also we had uh, a few injuries at the start of the season. We were missing Josh Feller, who uh, went off injured in the first game against Leeds. And Sammy Amiobi took eight weeks to become match fit. And we were kind of missing that anchor in midfield. So it, it was a... a a few things, really, and uh, we've been getting a few results recently. 
but that's because everything's coming together and it's taking a, a while just to happen. Yeah, I mean, you're saying that. I mean, you you did, and I have to say this, you did look doomed. I mean, we talked sort of quite a lot over the season. I said you looked doomed at the beginning of the season. Um, and then you approached Christmas, and there seemed to be a little bit of light at the end of the time. You had a few decent results, but you beat Cardiff 2-0 at home. You beat Barnsley 3-1 at home. And then I think the big one as well, Sheffield United have been sort of flying away with it. You beat them 1-0 away, which is actually your only away win of the season. I'm just wondering, do you think you could pull out more good results from that now? Because obviously you can get the results, you've got players as well. Can you pull them out the bag and escape the clutches of relegation this season? I think it's all about confidence. And um, Phil Parkinson's instilled a lot of confidence into the side. Um, and obviously the away win is massive against Sheffield United. It's the first away win we've had in the Championship for, I think it was nearly a 1,000 days, 37 games. We went without winning away in the Championship, which is quite extraordinary. So... Um, that was fantastic, and if we, I mean, if we keep grinding out results at home, you know, I don't see any reason why we can't stay up this season. That's right. I mean, obviously, and you were talking about players, you're talking about finances. You haven't bought players for three and a bit years. The last time we were in the same division, you were in deep financial doo doo. And then a cartel who were fronted by ex Brentford striker Dean Holdsworth, who I have to say, actually, he still has to pick up his um, besotted player of the year gnome from, I think it's from 1992. And if a Tommy Sue goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to pick it up, sure I will do, but we haven't, he hasn't done. So Dean Oldsworth, anyway, he was going to take the club over, and I think he did. So um, just fill everybody in on what's happened since then. Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> um, so Dean Oldsworth initially bought the club, and his business partners dropped out at the last minute. Um, so in stepped Ken Anderson, who is our current chairman. Um, and since then, they've ground the get down and well, you know everything we went down to the bare bones cutting costs like for wages and other things like that and it's, it's been a steady rebuild um, and now Ken Anderson took full charge he's now the owner of the whole club when uh, Holdsworth left um, I think in end of August and we had a transfer embargo for the entire time during that period as well which obviously didn't help I mean, it's, I find it amazing we got promoted whilst under an embargo. But that's now gone. Um, and it's about Ken Anderson just steadying the ship until we can find someone to take over who's got real money, who can properly invest in the side and at least keep us in the championship. And if not, invest that money to try and push us towards the Premier League. Right, OK. So, listen, your stay in Division 1, just like Wiggins the season before, was very short-lived. Basically, you know, you came back, Division 1, straight back into the Championship. just want to know, was it momentum that you bounced straight back, or was it more than that? I think it's a little bit more than that, because we were dreadful in the 15-16 season. We'd, we'd won five games all season. Uh, the players just looked devoid of confidence completely. And a lot of those players left, and it was, it was a slow rebuild. And we, I think we signed... 12, 13 players in the summer um, last season and it was about getting those players in, building confidence, getting the formation right and um, the more, the longer the season went on, we, we, we started grinding out wins and we did get a bit of momentum towards the end of the season but it was more about the rebuild and I think not. if you ask like most Bolton fans, I don't think we were expecting to get promoted at the first time of asking. I think we would have been happy with the playoffs at, at the very least. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a lot of things that helped get us promoted. But I think it was mainly Phil Parkinson. Um, he, he did install 
a lot of confidence into the team and he is very experienced in League One and um, just with that little bit more quality that Bolton had over Bradford he was able to push a team back into the Championship Right, OK so listen I've noticed actually there's a bit of a foreign invasion in Bolton earlier this week you're under 23's played League 3 German side Madeburg and apparently a thousand Germans turned up on Monday afternoon um, they had to move the, ground, the, the game from the training ground to the Macron and they came with flares and flags and all sorts, didn't they? Yeah, um, and luckily I was able to uh, skive off work. Uh, I only worked 10 minutes away from the Macron, so I went down. It was a uh, free for season ticket all so I went and watched. And uh, it, it was incredible to see um, that a thousand fans have travelled 800 miles to come and watch their team in a nothing friendly, really. It's just a winter break friendly uh, against our under 23s. And they were, I think it's the best support I've seen at the Macron for a long, long time, better than any championship team. And there was only a thousand of them. They were non-stop singing, they had the flares going, they had the smoke bombs going. It, um, it was real passion, you could see in the fans. It was, it was uh, surreal to see. And it was, yeah, um, apparently they've offered Phil Parkinson and the team the chance to go and play them in Magdeburg in the summer. And I hope they take that up because there's a lot of fans who wants to go over to Germany and experience them at home and the full fan experience over there. I can imagine as well, and Magdeburg, people don't know, they're in the third division, no, not even Bundesliga 2, Bundesliga 3, and I think they average 17,000 fans um, in the Bundesliga 3. Uh, uh, three. Um, I think they, they won the, it was it the Cup Winners' Cup in 1974 or something ridiculous as well. So they've, they've got some previous history, but they've obviously fallen from grace and they haven't sort of perked themselves up a bit, but they've still got a lot of pottiness. They're, they're from the Eastern European side, and uh, we've been out to Eastern Europe. We've had a couple of friendies out there in Brentford, and uh, they definitely like their football. It is a bit of a laugh, actually, I have to say, going to watch German football out there. They do definitely love their football. They're absolutely potty for it. And they do like a good beer and a good old sing-song and then whatever else goes with it as well. You know what I mean? So, uh, which is all good. But listen, talk about Gary Medine. I know, I mean, Royal Wedding, we're talking about if he's not there, you know. But he, he may not be a, he may not be a bone player by then because uh, you just had a bid in come from Cardiff, a seven-figure bid, which has turned down. Which is strange. Mm-hmm. Because I remember a few years ago, he was struggling to rebuild his career at Carlisle after being set by Sheffield Wednesday for, a, I think he struck a player. And then he served an 18-month jail spell. Um, so no, yeah, 18-month jail spell um, after being found guilty. Um, that's mm-hmm. why he, I think he, yeah, he had a bit of a ruck in, in the nightclub with two people or something like that, or two separate people, and he went to jail for that as well. Um, yeah. But he's, uh, he's obviously back on the straight and narrow. Yeah, he really is. Um, Phil Parkinson's done a, a real great job in putting confidence in him because his first season under Neil Lennon, he was in and out of the team. He was um, in really bad form, and the fans were jumping on him. And you know, there was rumours at the end of the season that he was going to leave. And uh, I think Rotherham were rumoured to take him, and not many fans were bothered. But then last season, um, he just became a completely different player. Scored ten goals, and he was the like the focal point of uh, our attack. And it, the same happened this season. He's, he's in the form of his life. It's, it's really unbelievable to see. Uh, He's got nine goals, I think, so far this season and five assists, um, which is staggering, really. I think that's the, his best return in the championship. And he's he's gone from being, um, you know, an unwanted striker in English football to uh, our best player, really. Yeah. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see. So, you know, obviously he's playing on Saturday, or he should be playing on Saturday. Saturday, Bolton come down to Griffin Park. You're in 20th position. 
you've got a goal difference of minus 18. So you've only got Burton at minus 23 and Birmingham City at minus 20 with a worse goal difference than you guys. But saying that, like I said, you've also won only one away game from home at Bramall Lane. You've drawn five matches and you've lost seven. So away from home, you're not the best. However, that doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm just wondering how will you set yourselves up on Saturday because we do struggle against sides like Bolton who come down and play a particular way. Yeah, I think, like most away games, Phil Parkinson tries to uh, just knock the ball from the back, bit of a long ball game, to up to Gary Medine and just see if you could win a foul off him or he could win a knock-on and try and get Josh Feller or Sammy Amiobi involved to try and grab a, uh, a quick goal on the counter-attack. Um, and then if we do go ahead, you'll probably see us try and defend that lead, um, which varying levels of success it worked at Sheffield United but it didn't work at Fulham. We took a lead in the first half, and then I think it can, we conceded in the 94th minute. So it's, it's all about how we can um, defend in the game and how well Brentford attack, because if you get a, a couple of decent chances, you're more than likely to score against us, because um, we will sit back. Uh, but that's because of, um, in the situation we are in, a point's better than no point. Yeah, especially play, especially away from home as well, I suppose. So you just need to be picking up and growing up those points. And especially as well, you know, you've done pretty well so far. You're not even in the relegation zone. I'm not saying this condescendingly. I mean, you're not in the relegation zone, which is quite good. So you've got teams like Sunderland. You've got teams like Birmingham City. You know, you've got Burton, teams like that, who are kind of below you. So basically, you know, for you, it's just trying to keep 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 away from those teams, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's staggering, really, how we've managed to propel ourselves up to 20th. You look at teams like Hull, teams like Sunderland, Birmingham, they've either got really talented, you know, Premier League experienced players or they've spent heavily, like Birmingham did under Harry Redknapp. Um, obviously, he, he bought a few EO ads at the start of the season. Um, yeah. And we so, keep reminding them about that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it, it's, it's just staggering, really. I mean, we were, um, you go back to September, Bucky's were giving out odds of one to a thousand that we were going to go down and now we're 20th place and we're looking confident and we could you know propel ourselves up the league if we look to continue it's, it's it's brilliant really that's good so listen playing Brentford on Saturday you know both knocked out the cup on Saturday but we're back to the league again both back to our sort of full sides both of us score prediction Eddie it's going to be a tough game, I think. Um, we, we do struggle away from home, like you've mentioned, and uh, we are missing former Brentford player Darren Prattley and former rival player uh, Kyle Henry, obviously a uh, famous QPR player. They've been the rock in our midfield this season and they're going to be missing. Uh, I think Henry's out for three weeks and Prattley's out for a couple of months with a, a broken leg, which isn't best because they've kind of been the linchpin in the team. Um, so... With that being said, I think we're probably going to lose two. I'll say we'll score. I think two one to Brentford. All right, two one to the Bolton or two one to the Brentford from uh, Eddie from uh, from up from Bolton. But listen, Eddie, it's been brilliant chatting to you, mate, and thanks for giving us the lowdown on Bolton. We shall see you on Saturday, Eddie from Lion of the Inner Sweet Blog. You can check them out online. Actually, wicked little blog there. They do loads of stuff. They've got their own podcast as well. You can check out their podcast as well online. But listen, Eddie. Safe travels on Saturday, and I'll see you before the game for a beer. Yeah, definitely. See you then. So that's Eddie Skelly from the Lion of Vienna Suite. Talking about Bolton Wanderers, and interestingly, because Brentford have decided to theme 
Saturday's Bolton game as an 80s game. It's got an 80s theme to it. They're talking about ex-players like Bobby Booker, like Francis Joseph, like Terry Herlock, and they're all linked into this. We're not quite sure whether or not they're turning up or not, but they've been linked into this theme and it's um, some sort of 80s theme. I don't know whether or not like Bolton are intrinsically linked with the 80s and Brentford. Um, for me, I mean, I don't think so much of Bolton from the 80s. I think of a lot of other teams from the 80s, but not necessarily Bolton Wanderers, um, which is all good. But anyway, Eddie, interesting chat. We'll see him on Saturday for a couple of beers down the boozer. But I've got the guys around the table here, and everyone here saw Brentford in the 80s. And everyone here has got a memory of Brentford in the 80s, whether they're not fond or not fond. As anybody here, I'm just going to ask you, you're going to tell me a story of uh, Brentford in the 80s, the Dutchman. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the 80s for me were slightly missing years for me personally, so I'm not the best person to come to first. It was that kind of, you know, just coming out of teenage and discovering other things in life that apparently at that time I thought were more important to foot than football. I'm loyal. But, yeah, clearly I, I soon realised the error of my ways and got back to putting football before everything else. Um... So the, the, the early 80s were a bit of a blur, but the kind of, you know, we were talking about earlier people, when, when people like Herlock joined and, and those sort of people, that kind of changed my view of Brentford. There was some, I guess, characters, to use our commonly quoted word, where there was people there with a bit of personality. And, you know, it's not my abiding memory of the 80s, because I, I can't say the one that I'd really like to say. But in terms of players, I mean, that, that sort of era... Uh, the bowls and the, the Kamara and the Hurlock. But I think my, my first view of Terry Hurlock on a pitch was probably one of my best memories of the 80s. And his first tackle, which was after whatever it was, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And you know, just everyone thinking, what the hell have we just bought here? And loving it. I'll go with that one for now. Laney. Um, okay. Um, I've got this the most amazing tweet here from Rob Young. I, you, you've, put your, you've put your name to it, Rob, so I'm going to call it out anyway. Um, back in the 80s, this would be, I told my ex-wife I couldn't go to a Rick Astley concert due to working so that I could go to an FA Cup replay versus Peterborough, which would have been in 88-89, the quarter-final cup run. I got back home to the in-laws to see the goals on BBC and me and my mate were the faces in the crowd celebrating the winning goal. Divorce followed. Um, also, off mic tonight, someone who has admitted to turning down an absolute threesome. He was invited to a threesome and he decided not to partake in it. It could have been me, it could have been Dutch, it could have been Bill, it could have been Soups. One of us turned down a threesome to be at a Brentford game the next day. Moving rapidly on, um, and what we're talking about as well is a 80s theme. Because <laughs> oh, the 80s theme, we're talking about Bob Booker, we're going to talk about in a minute, but we're going to come to Soups first of all, because you're, what's your memory of the 80s? Uh, well, I only actually started supporting Brentford in uh, 1985. I think my third ever game is Newport, beating them 6-0, Freighter over semi-final. My fourth game is at Wembley, where we um, did our usual Wembley thing of losing. But uh, I remember, like, I was thinking about 13 then. I still I wasn't quite an adolescent. I was uh, still a little kid. And uh, I was on the bus back from Amersfield with the old school Routemaster in my, uh, my little Brentford out, my Brentford scarf, looking very cute. And the bus conductor came up. So the, 
oh, uh, Brentford are playing at Wembley, weren't they? Uh, how do you do? I went, uh, we lost 3-1. And I sat in the back room master and the entire top deck of the room master turned around, looked at me and went, oh. So I as a little kid got sympathy of an entire top deck of room master in 1985. So root master man, the soups is the root master man. Laney, and you've got a moped memory from the 80s, is that right? Yeah, I have, but also uh, one of my best mates turned down threesome as well to, um, instead of going to uh, <laughs> instead of going to the game, he, he decided to turn away. He went to the game, but he turned down threesome to, to get to the game. Let's talk about the moped moment, lady. So yeah, no, a mate of mine, he turned down a threesome. To... <laughs> and the moped story, the moped story was so, so it was, I was 16, um, just got my independence, stood at college, at Speltham College, um, doing my A-levels, and um, I was, my dad made me buy this awful moped. All my, some, some of my mates had fizzies, they were called then, they were like Yamaha FS1s or whatever, I don't know where they were. I had a Honda C50, it was like the people that, people that did the knowledge had these mopeds, so that's, that's what I was allowed. And um, so I used to drive around on it, and I used to I used to go to the home games, and um, it was I used to drive down the Great West Road, and I went to the Newport County game in uh, in '85, to the six 0 Friday night game on my moped, parked it outside um, the New Inn. But one night I remember in the '80s, I could for some reason my mum and dad went away on holiday. They got on holiday, I refused to go with them. It's like the, I, I'd done the holidays with parents at that stage on that cusp, and um, I, 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 decided, I had my Brentford season ticket, but all of a sudden I realised I couldn't, I didn't have any petrol, I had no petrol in my moped, I couldn't get there, and I, I ran for about an hour and a half, I was turning the house upside down, trying to scramble change, trying to find 10p here, 20p, well 20p's weren't there, so I was just trying to find money anywhere I could, shaking my sister's bedroom upside down mattresses down the back of the sofas I think in the end I found like 55p in petrol to put into the moped and it got me to the game I can't remember that I can't remember the game I can't remember if you won lost or whatever but I didn't miss a game that season I think it was Doncaster at home some god-awful game but it was I couldn't I couldn't even afford the petrol in my moped to get to Brentford but I did it I did it I got there were both your parents at that hot metal gangbang party that night? No, there, well, there was they, they were at a threesome apparently with. Um... <laughs> 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 and, and, and for me, I mean, the eighties brilliant period as well. I remember all the characters, the, the terraces, going to away games. You know, there was a lot of lot of lot of, acti- lot of activity that used to go on. You know, used to go around with John Marion's crew and and, and, and legs, and Nigel the legs and. And uh, the plastic tash, Anthony, the plastic tash, and stuff like that used to have right good laughs with all those characters as well, home and away. Beckles as part of the crew as well, which was which was all good. And uh, like I said to you, I think the culmination. I mean, if you think of a high point of the of, of the eighties, because we were pretty average in the eighties. Obviously, the the Leyland Daff or the the, the Leyland Daff Trophy in nineteen eighty five was for any Brentford fan the best moment of their life because we had done nothing before then really and all of a sudden bang we were at Wembley so that was fantastic okay we lost but still a great moment and after that obviously it was the Liverpool Cup run as well which was the second big moment those are the two big moments of that time and probably the Man City game was the culmination of that us actually beating Man City at Griffin Park 3-1 I think the score was I say 3-1 in the rain and again we're talking about the Cup earlier 
the massive buzz when we turned up at the whole area. Everything about Brentford was buzzing about that game. We were all up for it. We were happy about it. It was, it was fantastic. And everyone went away there happy. OK, we won, but it was, it was great. But we were going on a bit. We had a little cup run, which is all good. But other than that, and then there's also a lot of downside moments as well, which I talked about it, which is my first ever away game away at Reading. When me and my mates went there, and Paul Cassell good mate of mine now I met him at Reading as we were walking back and we came across 50 Reading fans who uh, let's just put it this way let's just very very good thing that I was they weren't happy to see me and it was a very good thing that I was uh, I was one of the fastest people in my year at school at that time because I uh, I managed to escape and there was literally it was about 50 of them and even though there was three of us they all decided to come for me why was that? I wonder why that was. Well, they kept on calling. They kept calling out the colour of my skin, you know, and stuff like that. But that's just the way it goes back in the day. Long from the ready. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, that's all good. But all these things are—they build you as a human being, as they say, don't they? Yes, yes. they do, Billy. <laughs> yes, they do. But anyway, listen. Eighties theming night. Bobby Booker talks about his time at Brentford. Fred Callan come in with Ronnie Harris and uh, that, was, that was the next sort of regime really so didn't really know Fred only from, from non-league at Woken and things like that but obviously knew about Chopper Harris who I absolutely idolised so there was someone there straight away that I wanted to impress uh, with, my, with my attitude and my professionalism and hopefully I did but Ron was a, Ron was a strange character he was a very quiet man but the hardest player you think you could probably ever play against I should imagine you know, even on a, on a cold, freezing day, he, would, he used to stand in the bath and warm his feet up, and then he used to put his boots on, and he used to have the longest aluminium studs you've ever seen, all the way through his boots, even if it was like concrete out there. He was going to take no prisoners. And when, sometimes, when we used to come back from the training ground, him and Colin Lee, they used to take the apprentices, don't take this the wrong way, they used to take the apprentices around the back of the stand... And it was before the flats were built, and it was like a corrugated car park. I don't know if any of you remember that, that, that area around the back of that big, the big home end, which was, which was a massive end, wasn't it? You know, that was where all the fights used to go, and, you know, that was a great end. And it was quite sad to see that go when I was at the club, to be honest, for the flats, but it was obviously business. But Ron used to take the apprentices out there, and he used to set up a five-a-side, and he used to batter them. He used to crunch them in, and I used to join in sometimes, and he used to, he used to crunch them into the corrugated iron and just leave them in a heap on the floor. And if they didn't get up, he just carried on. He had no remorse for anybody or anything. He was a, he was a great character, but never spoke a lot, but, but a great leader. And so that was the next regime. And, it, I mean, obviously, like I said, Fred Callahan, you've got the Chopper Harris, who uh, the Allard would probably be very happy with him because uh, Chopper Harris came from Chelsea as well. well that's a, if, you, if you listen to the podcast a lot, you would understand what that's all about. Um, but that team... Players like Dennis Salmon, Pat Cruz, say Mark Hill, Dave Crown, Tony Funnel, Shrub, Ron Harris, Dean Smith, not, not this Dean Smith, obviously, um, Jim McNichol, Willie Graham, Terry Rowe, but also, also signed Gary Roberts that year. Um, Gary Johnson, that's when Martin Lang came in. There was a bit of a revolution, but there was also one other player who came in that season, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what you thought when he came in. Terry Herlock joining it from Leighton, Stone, and Ilford. Uh, what were your thoughts when you first saw him? My thoughts were, where's my money? Where's my money and where's my possessions? Because uh, he was... <laughs> we, heard, we heard the rumblings that someone was coming and we believed that he'd, we'd signed him from prison, apparently. You know, and I think that was true. 
I think I think he'd done a little stink because he did like a he did like a bit of a in it, he had a fierce group of friends, you know. But you couldn't have met a nicer fella than Terry Erlock. He would give you his last penny if he had it. And I struck up a particularly good friendship with Terry, which I think was a good idea because <laughs> he was a hard taskmaster, a very underrated player. Went on to play the Glasgow Rangers, England B, Southampton. But what a complete, what a, what a legend as well. But uh, you say that first meeting, we was playing away at Walsall and he met us uh, in the dressing room and we walked in the dressing room and he was sitting in the corner and he had this mop of curls hair with these big gypsy earrings. He had a pair of jeans on, flip-flops, no socks, because you can't wear socks with flip-flops. Tattered old jeans and a granddad shirt, sitting there unshaven, boots next to him. And that was Terry Erlock waiting there to make his, his debut for Brentford. And he absolutely smashed it. He was fantastic. And we won that game 3-2. I did score but that one, Billy, as well, by the way. You didn't have that. You did, mate, can you just edit that? Bob Book could just... And we won 3-2. I think that one was on the, on the match of the day that night. So Terry Erlock, that was my first meeting of, of Terry Erlock. So Bolton Wanderers come into Griffin Park on Saturday. And Bees fans... A little bit of trepidation with Bolton coming down because, to be quite honest with you, they're not playing the type of football that is uh, making us feel very happy. You know, um, we like teams coming down here and playing a bit of football. I'm not saying Bolton don't play football as such, but speaking to my man Eddie Skelly from Lion of Vienna Suite, he's saying they're going to be getting the ball up there, shooting it long, playing very direct, and also sort of trying to do the old defending thing. And so it means we're going to have to unlock a few doors, which is sometimes a bit of a problem for Brentford, unless we get ourselves a bit of an early break and we actually kind of break through. And once we break the door down on somebody like Bolton, maybe, you know, it might be dominoes falling. But like I said to you, I'm not presuming anything anymore. You look at the Bolton game at home and you presume it should be a home win. Just like Barnsley should have been a home win. Just like Burton should have been a home win at home. No disrespect to those sides, but Brentford playing as they are and doing what they're doing, we should have got three points against them and he didn't do so. Bolton are coming down and it could be a bit of a banana skin. We've also got Gary Medine, who has come out of the wilderness and he's got a little bit of a vibe going on him, a little bit of hype going on him. He's got teams actually bidding decent money for him and he was on the scrappy no longer than, what, three, two, three years ago. So, you know, they've got quite a few things in their favour. Dutchman. Are you a bit nervous about this match? No, not really. Uh, no more than any other game. It's, it's, it's hard to call Brentford at the moment, isn't it? It's always hard to call how we're going to do, but none of us would expect anything other than a win on Saturday. Um, well, we'll find out when we do the predictions later on, but I think mean, yeah, all, all these games are difficult. All the teams in, in this league can beat each other. We know that cliche, but we still know that we're a good team. As I think Laney said earlier, there, there'll be the the reaction to Saturday in, in the, and the cup performance. Um, there'll be the fact we're on a pretty decent league run, uh, Wolves aside, um, you know, and we've still got aspirations to go higher. So, you know, realistically, if we are looking at moving up the league and potentially challenging for those playoff spots, you know, we have to be looking at w- winning games like this. So, um, will it be easy? No, I doubt that. It never is anymore. But I'm not, I'm not scared of Bolton and I fully expect to win. I mean... If anything, you know, there's a bit of a bonus in that they've got a couple of very important midfielders missing. Darren Patley, for a start, is missing. And uh, the skelly man talked about another midfielder that's missing as well for Bolton, which, you know, again, these things play into our hands. But still, Laney, we cannot take anything for granted, can we? 
No, not at all. Fair, fair play to Bolton, to be honest with you. They look to be absolutely the whipping boys of this division. Um, we, we won 3-0 at their place. It was their first win of the season. Um, I expected them to go into 3-4. They've had a bit of a resurgence since then. Um, they've, had a, they've had a few wins. They look, they, look quite, they look quite a sort of an awkward team to play against. I, to be honest with you, you know, it's, it's the, it's, they are a banana skin for us. You know, I, I don't, I don't look at it and think an absolute win. I think, oh, a struggle. I think in draw. I'm thinking draw or lose. You know, I'm not, I'm not being funny. It's the exact fixture that we have struggled with all season. We should go out there and we should play our football and we should beat them handsomely. Um, but we, we seem to look up the table and look at the teams above us as a challenge, and look, look back and look at the teams below us as a, an absolute dead cert. And they, they bite us in the arse. And, and I, we need we need to break this mould. If I'm honest with you, we need to we need to be beating teams because we're better. Not we need to play a consistent level rather than judge our performance based on who we think the opposition are. And I, I, I just don't. I I I, I th honestly think that the, the players will be looking at this fixture thinking we're going to win it already. Um, I think they're quite rounded and I think they're intelligent but I think they also kind of know how good they are and I think they're probably, they're probably thinking Bolton are there for the taking and they won't be. Talking about the consistency because we spoke to um, Romain Sawyers as you heard a bit earlier on after the Notts County game and he said you know we, we've beaten teams, big teams, we smashed up teams like Derby County, we smashed up teams like Sheffield Wednesday, you know three teams, uh, Aston Villa, three teams who are in the Premier League and we smashed them up so he says in principle we should or we could be up there but it's all about getting that consistency and a game like Saturday is all about us getting this consistency also you have to hark back to last Saturday I keep going on about it yeah it might be a different team but winning is a, a habit and we didn't beat Notts County right for whatever reasons we changed the side or whatever like that but we could have been if we'd beaten them then we could have had the two games in a row thing going on but we haven't done you know what I'm saying Soups, Notts County today, banana skin, or do you think we'll be all right? Uh, Bolton game, I think people are banana uh, Bolton. skin. Bolton, <laughs> not Bolton, not Notts County, but Bolton. I keep thinking Notts County, oh, it's haunted me. I wasn't going to correct you on that one. Um, yeah, we looked down the table, they're below us. Oh, we should beat them. Um, I think that's in the mind of the fans. I like to think it's not in the mind of the players and the management and the coaches of Brentford. Um, they can go in with a lot of confidence. The players coming in as a side from Notts County will say, all right, boys, this is how it's done. And the players that are involved on Saturday that were involved against Notts County will say, oh, we're going to do better than this. We're going to show we're better than what happened in the FA Cup. And I think we're going to take it with a bit of confidence. Uh, no sort of uh, complacency whatsoever. We'll be prepared for Bolton, how they play. Bring it on. Be confident. We can do this, no problem. So listen, I'm going to go around the table, get your score predictions. Eddie Skelly actually predicted that Brentford will get two and Bolton will get one. So he's, he has predicted, uh, even he has predicted that, you know, that, we'll, uh, that, that Brentford are going to win. But I'm going to ask myself, I'm going to ask the Dutchman. What do you reckon? I think it's going to be a close, nervy game, but I think we'll edge it 4-1. Whoa, the Dutch is going for it. Laney? I think, I think we're going to revert to revert to mode and I think I think it's gonna be a one all draw. Laney's in depressive mode. Uh, no, post new year. 
No, not depressive at all. I, I just, I just think we. I don't think as a team or as a squad, we've we've moved past um, a turning. That we, we need to become the Man City of this division. If we're going to play great football, if we if we're going no, no, we're not we're not Man City. Yeah. But if we're going to be if we're going to play the we, if we're going to be disciplined in the football we play and be confident in the football we play, we also need to be ruthless. And I, and, I, and I think you you can't judge you can't judge your opposition based on your own assessment. Sometimes you need to go unbeaten and then be proved right. Don't don't think you're going to be proved right before you've actually turned out on the pitch. And I think we're guilty of that. I think I think we think that we're better than we are. And then you know Wolves in this division have proved to us how good you need to be to be champions. We haven't got to be that good. We're, we're not expecting to be champions. But we need to be a lot better than we are. Okay, and I'll come back to this as well because again we talk about the team. But and this is not dissing anybody, but he's only been the side for four months. Ollie Watkins, eighty. He's, he's as they call him sharpshooter. He's had the far by far and beyond more shots than anybody in this league. Eighty-three shots. He's the top top shots man in this league. Hasn't scored as many as that, but he's getting chances he's getting opportunity he is shooting right Ollie Watkins and he's not getting the chances so there's an argument to say that if he actually put them away that conversation wouldn't wouldn't be the same Bill it's, it's his first season in the championship he's, cut, he's jumped to oh no this isn't I'm not actually this isn't directed at you you know you, what you just said then was a kind of a very rounded appraisal of where he's at and um we have to be honest, you know, it's his first season in the Championship, he's jumped two divisions to be where he's at, and he's being tipped as one of the players that all the Premiership teams should be looking at, and he absolutely is, you know, he is, he's not way good, he's not way too good for Brentford, he's not, he's not in that division, Brentford are a very, very good team, but he has, he has jumped and he's found his comfort level very early on. And you know whether he's with us for three months, three weeks, three years, I don't know. But if we pay 1.8 million quid for him, it's worth 10 million plus already. Yeah, yeah but I think. But what my point is that you're saying that we're not winning the games. He's taken one place in the team, and this is not a disrespect on him. He's taken one out of the 11 team, and he's also an attacking player. He has a lot of chances on goal, right? He, he, he shoots on goal. He has a lot of chances on goal, but he hasn't taken as many as he could have done. He still scored some good goals. Yeah. If he was replaced by somebody else who was not saying they should do, then they might have scored more than him. So all I'm trying to say to you is that we have got a team who are creating chances and they're not taking the chances. So so maybe yeah. you've got to give them a little bit of, of, well, of he's leeway. Got, he's, got, he's got a 60, 63.5% conversion rate. Um, when you compare that to Morpay, he's got a, um, a, an 85.3 wastage rate. And it's, it's, it's very, um, it's very, it's very telling. It is telling. Soups. So, so, <laughs> listen, Soups. <laughs> I'm going to ask you: Have you, you given a score prediction? Yeah, um, one all. One all. Okay, Soups. I think we should go with confidence. I think, uh, yeah, Bolton will be a tricky opposition. A good, good run. Play a different style of football. With our players coming back in into the first team, trying to prove themselves and say this is what we're all about, be a tricky first half. I think personally, I'm always uh, happy to get the half time level, but I think well, hopefully, quality will tell 3 1 breeze. 
come on. For me, 2-1 to Brentford. Uh, I would like to say 2-0, but we seem to be letting in goals all the time. But I think that the Mepham coming in is giving us a little bit of a difference. And it's going to be an interesting game for him on Saturday because if they're looping the balls in, we're going to see how much him and the BLN together are actually going to be able to defend this long ball game from the Bolton Wanderers. But listen... It's the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We've probably gone on quite a bit today. We thought we didn't have anything to talk about, but we've got loads to talk about. We've got Bolton coming down on Saturday. Fingers crossed we'll be able to get three points against them. Thanks for all your little input. We've given you a little input about the uh, fever pitch moment. Um, we'll, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll probably put an article up and we'll put all your, your responses on the fever pitch moment on the, on the, around this podcast um, about this one as well. And, and also, um, we, we're going to talk about that as well, but also, like I said to you, go to iTunes and give us a big thumbs up, give us a good star give us a comment and say we love this podcast because it actually goes up in the rankings you, as well and also listen you predicted a win again yeah so I predicted a win indeed pricked you know what I'm saying so yeah so we go so we're going to do that as well so anyway besotted pride of West London podcast and like we say to you Saturday we're going to the game and we are very very happy because we are bees listen we haven't won again this year but it doesn't really matter because Saturday's all the cabinets we saw the Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.